so we've got two uh, choices here. Uh, we have we have respectful or we have uh, disrespectful. Tim. Either way. How should we start? Do we want to start off on the right foot, or we do want to do, do we want to diminish our karma even further here, right at top? Well, okay, fine. I'll just. I, I have only five words for you. From my cold, dead hands. You've already stolen my joke. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Really? Oh, but but when we come back in an hour, we're going to pretend that that didn't happen. I didn't. I had no idea. Uh, but okay, now this it, is very sad. If it, if it makes you feel better, I stole it from somebody else. I stole it from Mailman Chris. The first thing I thought of yesterday. Mailman Chris was the first person to make that observation. Is it because Heston hadn't even been dead like five minutes? And Mailman Chris made some crack about, is it too soon to recycle the from my cold, dead hands thing? Erase, erase, never happened. Okay. No, we'll be back in an hour to use it again. I have only five words for you. From my cold, dead hands. <laughs> I have only five words for you. From my cold, you dead had it hands. <laughs> You had it already prepared. Um, I'm, so, I'm going home. I'm so filled with sadness. <laughs> I have nothing left to do next. <laughs> What's the point? All right. Well, we'll all just... weekend, all <laughs> you are looking forward to your one. It, it, it recycled in my brain at least a million times. <laughs> You're looking forward all to the, the one, work today. the one shining moment when you would get to unveil a joke that no one else had thought of or anticipated, a joke that no one else could possibly have seen coming. I have only five words for you, from my cold well, dead hands. Well, I'm sorry about that, Tim. Okay. Well, we'll do this instead. Uh, this is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Possibly duplicate that. Uh, hello. It is uh, 7 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and this the month of April in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not only ostentatious studios of AM 970. Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. It is Monday. And uh, welcome to day 12. Well, we'll do it again later and pretend that none of this ever happened. All right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. You want you should uh, join us today. 503-733-2970. Your comments, clarifications, conventions, two cents, your what have you are always welcome here. Everyone is equal in my eye. Uh, Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations. But the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the simian. 
uh, whatever you might have. It's uh, 503-733-2970. And I'm pretty sure that Richie is hungover today, but I can't. He tried to pass it off as having gone to the gym earlier. Uh, I don't think he's hungover. Really? Mm-hmm. He didn't sound all that good. You don't sound all that good. Well, I have a, I don't know. I either have a cold or allergies. One of the two. Either way, yeah, I sound really bad. I guess, I guess Tim and I will find out in a few days. Uh, <laughs> well, I did take that, that allergy medicine you gave me, and I do feel a little... I think it is allergies. I was... Uh, uh, the, all weekend I was having that thing where... And it always seemed to be after a nap for some reason, where I would wake up, and then my... It's like everything from the throat up would be bad. Uh, throat, eyes, nose... I feel so much incredible pressure right now. Like, my eyes are watering, and, like, yeah. I, I've been sneezing all morning. You got, like, an itchy throat kind of yes. a thing? Yeah, that's probably, see, that's probably hay fever. Okay. Everybody I to, Laura, the same thing. I think Aaron had the same thing, just walking around. <laughs> so. Now, that's probably, uh, the good news is you can cure that with drugs. Uh, I'm waiting for my Claritin to kick in in a second now. Yeah, no, Claritin is really, that is a, that is a wonder drug that works wonders. I, the best day of my life is when they made that stuff over the counter. Because you, you used to have to get a prescription for Claritin. I mean, up until I think even a few years ago, it was a prescription drug. Uh, but now the miracle of Loratadine can be yours for just a few dollars. All right. In any event, uh, it is Monday. Hello. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you want to email us, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. Uh, All right. Uh, lots of stuff coming up today, including but not limited to the following. Well, first of all, we got to come up with a name uh, for the listener party. Because as revealed last Thursday, it's going to be at the Crystal Ballroom. As revealed last Friday, uh, the centerpiece of Rick Emerson Listener Party 11 which is happening Thursday, May 15th, 8 p.m. at the Crystal Ballroom, uh, is going to be uh, the Rick Emerson Roast. Uh, so I can just, uh, you know, so my already neurotic ego can just be further whittled away. Um, so that's going to be Thursday, May 15th. we got to come up with a name for it by the end of this week, like no later than Friday, uh, because we got to start coming up with artwork sometime next week. And people have already started sending me little pieces of artwork, ideas, logos, graphics, whatever, which is great. Um, as always, uh, if somebody from the audience comes up with the artwork that we end up using for the party, uh, we'll we'll toss something nice and shiny your way. But it does it, it probably is going to benefit everybody if you just if everybody kind of waits until we have the name, and I don't think we have the name yet. My only request is that there be no references to Spinal Tap. That's it. That's going to be our one rule. Not even so much a rule; it's just kind of a waste of your time if you do that. Cause, oh yeah. Because I think everybody's. I think Rockfest even did it last year or two years ago. So. Anyway, so at some point before the end of the week, we've got to come up with the name uh, for Listener Party 11, and then we'll do the, the artwork next week and the whatnot and the hey, hey. Uh, here's what else is coming up today. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, will be uh, joining us today. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, that guy, Mark Penn. Uh, anyways, the guy that was Hillary Clinton's, this is always a good sign. Her lead advisor, I think, has now quit. Uh, I think he quit over the weekend, yesterday. But, but he's still working there. Really? Yeah. Sort of... He's in the basement because exterminating they value roaches. his opinions. <laughs> Is he just he's just hanging around as an intern now? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, we'll talk to uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop from Los Angeles. Uh, we'll see how the killing moratorium went. Oh yeah. It clearly wasn't in effect around Charlton Heston's house. Zam. Zam. I don't know anything. I have only five words for you. From my cold dead hands. 
I'm sorry? I've been away from the Internet all weekend. I just found out this morning that, that he croaked. Yeah, it was, uh, I think, yesterday morning, something like that. Anyway, so we'll talk to Jim Rupp about the killing moratorium and about uh, uh, the life and death of Charlton Heston. Uh, we'll also talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastamov today. Uh, we have a top five coming up. Uh, the top five girliest songs uh, on my uh, MP3 player. I do, in some ways, regret not having an iPod only because I feel like I can't say iPod as a catch-all term, like Band-Aid or Xerox. I always have to say MP3 player, which is a lot more syllables and a mouthful and whatever. It's a lot easier to just say top five girliest songs on my iPod, but then I feel like I'm being inaccurate because I don't own an iPod. So, anyway, uh, so we will do that later on there. The top five uh, girliest songs found on my MP3 player. Peter Carlin from the Oregonian will join us today. Uh, what else? I got a really weird email. Oh, Richie, can you do me a favor? Uh, can you go to uh, Becca's printer and bring in the email that I just printed? That would be fantastic. Hate to be ordering you around right at the beginning of the show, but what are you going to do? Uh, so uh, if you can get that uh, email Becca's printer, that would be fantastic. Yeah, P.S. That place doesn't exist. Well, I just got another email, a response to my response, and it all seems very on the up and up. It huh. seems very on the level. Well, I mean, but you can really make an email address from anywhere. like you yeah. know. You well, can... that's just a Hotmail address, I think. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so well, we'll explain all that in a second. So there's an email that is sort of, it, it's, it's uh, as Alice would say, it is curiouser. Uh, so we'll talk about that uh, here in just a skosh. Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification. Tim, any unusual jokes today that nobody's heard? <laughs> about whom? <laughs> I don't know. Anybody? Well, both uh, Charlton Heston and former K2 weatherman Jim Bosley passed away. This is not Tom Bosley, but Jim Bosley. Tom Bosley. Whoever he is. Uh, a Kitsap County teen turns his mom in for growing pot after she disciplines him. A PDX economy lot guard has his truck stolen by a barefoot man with a gun. An Oklahoma man is arrested for stealing pizza pans. A woman stabs her husband over a fight over hot dogs. A diaper-wearing monkey runs amok in Florida. And a new tabloid report, Sonny Bono was assassinated. Really? Yeah. Excellent. Uh, let's see. I looked at the front of the Inquirer last night to see if there's anything interesting, and there was nothing interesting at all. It was, I think the best they could come up with in yesterday's Inquirer was, um, Jesus, I don't even remember now. It was kind of one of their go-to things. Like somebody's, like Kirstie Alley's fat again or something. I think that was it. There was, oh, no, 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 it was, uh, it was Dog the Bounty Hunter. Dog the Bounty Hunter's kid. Oh, like some Nazi thing? Yeah, it was like some Nazi thing. And like, I... I just, I've just sort of assumed that the whole time. So anyway, uh, so there's really nothing interesting in the Inquirer, but uh, but apparently there's something about Sonny Bono. Who would take the time? What would be the point of assassinating Sonny Bono? I think Fidel Castro's behind it. <laughs> did he? Did Sonny Bono have a lot of enemies? A lot of people wake up every day loathing Sonny Bono. All right. Only share. <laughs> Uh, uh, joining us today, as always, the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dylan Why? Hello, and how are you, other than filled with allergies? Hello. Well, other than that, I'm doing just fabulous. All right. You sound Thank great. You. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. It's not fun. It's not fun not really being able to breathe so much. That's okay. But my ears are really popped, or like really stuffed, too, so I'm in like... I can hear out of this one, but not this one. Now, is, it, is it any better than it was like half an hour ago? It feels a little bit better. Well, I hope the Claritin, I hope uh, that that works because that means it is just allergies. Yeah. And not that you're like coming down with. I'll take Claritin to kick in. I don't know, like 15, 20 minutes, I think, maybe. Half an hour. The thing about Claritin is I think it works for 12 hours. You know, I realize as I'm saying all this, this is all I, uh, I'm just repeating crap that they've said in their commercials. I don't know if it's true or not. No, uh, Claritin is all day strong, all day long, Sarah. 12-hour relief, so you can live your life. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of that's true. I could be reciting copy from an entirely different commercial. How could she be without air, without air? What? That's the current song all the kids are singing. How could... 
Street Without Air? Yeah. What song is that? Uh, without Air. They were, they were on American Idol. I don't even know what we're talking it's about. It's a duet. Hey, do you, remember, nowhere. do you remember that commercial for Primate Team where they say, this woman can't even blow out a simple match? Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought about that for the longest time. By the way, uh, speaking of the hit songs in the American Idol, I was talking to uh, Joni DeRoshi last night, and I'm very jealous. She uh, and her boyfriend have already picked the tickets to see George Michael uh, in Seattle. I didn't realize... Because Tim had talked about how do you get iTunes tried to swindle you into paying like seven thousand dollars for tickets. But I, but I used my American Express card and got regular ones. All right, yeah. So they went on sale this last weekend, which I had sort of spaced on. So now I'm gonna have to see if I can. Although it's on a Wednesday. Yeah, it's on a Wednesday. But which means that I would either have to like, go there, see the show, and then drive back, which is gonna put me back in Portland at what, like three in the morning? Pretty much. I mean, that's no good. Or I'd have to take the ne the day off. I am taking that next day off. Oh, I haven't told you yet. <laughs> when is this? Uh, it'll be July well, that's fine. 3rd. I mean, no, I mean, taking a day off for George Michael is... This is that song, No Air. I think it picks up in here somewhere. Let's hope so. Someday it will. Well, that's great. <laughs> well, that was fun. Thanks, Tim. I appreciate that Is one. it like a pop song? Yes. I have only five words for you. From my cold, dead hands. That's wonderful. Well, my, my YouTube is on the fritz today. Well, we'll come back. I was having problems with my YouTube this morning, too. It's slow. All right. Hey, you're not wearing your glasses. I'm not. I have them here, but they're kind of squishing my head when I'm wearing my headphones. So you just, you just <laughs> spent all this time to get your glasses. They're sitting no, six inches away. And I was not driving wear them. last night. It made a world of difference. Mm -hmm. I cannot even Being explain. Being able to see? Because I'm, I'm always like basically blind driving at night. Like, you know, you can actually <laughs> <That's> see. <good. laughs> no, I'm sure everybody appreciates hearing that like, you've been driving without proper vision for three years. Um, <laughs> Sometimes all I'd see are globes of light. I only drive on the freeway. <laughs> all I would see is like this mass of light coming toward me. I'm like, Sometimes I just car? shut my eyes and pray for the best. But now I can see specific lights. That and I can see lights when you're about to meet your maker. <laughs> Anytime you're driving toward the light, that's a bad thing. Hey, let me ask you this. Back on the allergy subject, has yeah. it occurred to you that you spend your entire day here sitting about a foot away from a big bouquet of decaying flowers? They're not decaying yet. Are they not? No, they're, I'm just saying that they're still spry. All right. So you're able to see though. Can you now? Would you mind if you if I ask you to put your glasses on for just no, a second? No, I don't mind at all. No, I mean I would I would like to wear them because it makes everything clearer, but it really it's hurting my face. You got the you got the swollen uh, head thing going on. The hey, those are good. Head well, you know, for the allergies, like a congestion thing. Oh, no, I think it's just my headphones. Like, the, this part is too big. Those are really so, good. You like I them? like those. Those yeah, are very I like nice. The green on this side. Yeah, excellent. Well done. Thanks. And so, now, how much of a. Just, I mean, would you say when you put them on, is it a, like a whole new world? It's weird. I, I was walking through the mall, and everything looked so three dimensional. <laughs> it kind of freaked me out. And I'm walking behind these girls, and I'm like, they look, like, everything looks so much more real, and I can see details, and things aren't just. It's not that I have really horrible vision, because I don't. It's just the, not as sharp as it could have been. The Lloyd Center is just like Paris. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was glorious. So now you don't have to drive and just see things as amorphous blurbs. And I was in Safeway today, and I was in the vegetable section. <laughs> and I was looking at all the vegetables. And I can read all the signs. I can read signs from, like, across the, the store now and look at the vegetables, and they're all, like, so clear. You are pretty. so cute. All right. <laughs> Many were green. Uh, <laughs> they were very green. <sighs> all right. And I can't breathe. But other than that, yeah, I had a fun weekend, and... La la la, la la la. It was Lisa's birthday this weekend too. So. I see. Is la la la, is la 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 Sarah Dillon's yada yada for the? I had a weekend about which we're not going to talk. 
Is that like a, a weekend and we're not going to dwell on the details? I had a great time hanging out at Lisa's on Friday. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We'll just move chronologically through the weekend. So uh, congratulations to uh, to Court and Fatboy. Big turnout to the Midnight Movie uh, on I Friday. I was so bummed I had to miss it. Did you go? Anchorman, yes, I did. Uh, it was it was badass because they did uh, two things. They did the premiere of Battlestar Galactica Season 4 on the big screen. Uh, listener Ken from the Coup. Uh, had it, got it early off the East Coast feed, put it on his laptop, brought it, this is how great the audience is, got it on his laptop, brought it into Portland, went to the uh, 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 the Baghdad, hooked it up in the balcony, and then they projected the season four premiere of Battlestar Galactica in high def on the big screen in the theater. It was righteous. Uh, so it was that followed by Anchorman. And I have to tell you, I've seen Anchorman twice in the theater before, and, you know, like a thousand times uh, on DVD. But it's one of those movies, that, like the old Peter Sellers films, where they, it just never loses its punch. And so we're sitting there, and... I mean, first of all, it's a whole theater full of people who know every line. Oh, and there's, yeah. so there's like the sing-along during the afternoon delight part, and I mean, people anticipating their favorite moments. But that sequence after Jack Black kicks his dog uh, off the bridge, when Ron is in that... I'm in a case, case of emotion! Of emotion. I mean, it was just, I thought I was going to lose control of my bodily functions. And so it was me and Lara and Court and Sarah Wagner and Fatboy and Aaron and Jen kind of all sitting in a row. And we all kind of started busting up at about the same moment. And all you could hear at one point was just sort of the wheezing because we were all out of breath from laughing. <laughs> God damn, it's a funny film. It really is. That's awesome. Um, one final note on that before we move forward. Uh, congratulations to Court and Fatboy who got a great post today at Ain't It Cool News. Uh, dot com is they got an interview with Katie Sackhoff who plays Starbuck. Um, oh, the girl that Fat Boy was trying to sleep with. Yeah, as he about whom, as he put it on Friday, I'm all about getting laid. So you know, so there's that. Uh, anyway, so they get a great post at Any Cool News, uh, linking to their uh, to their interview. So congratulations to those guys. So so we did that uh, on Friday, and then on Saturday, and I talked about this a little bit on uh, before we went into the weekend. So. Lara has been kind of, I won't say nagging, but she's been sort of wanting to try to, to try her hand at fishing because growing up in Utah, she just never, I, I think, A, because in Utah there's I mean, not a lot of, like, prime fishing spots, you know, and her dad's in a wheelchair and, and, and whatever. So she, it, so it's just not a thing she ever did. So she just spent, uh, you know, her whole life, her whole childhood growing up, she just spent going to church uh, and occasionally going to casinos to play craps with her dad. Uh, whereas I, as a kid, got dragged to go camping and fishing and hunting and just all kinds of crap that I don't want to do. And I don't... And, and I don't want to make it sound as though I was, like, traumatized by the whole thing, but I just, I'm not an outdoors kind of guy, as you might have noticed. I am kind of a man of the great indoors. And so I think my, I don't think he was, I don't think he was uh, doing it intentionally just to be horrible. I think my dad just had this idea that that's what, that's what fathers and sons do. That's what male bonding consists of, where you go and you sit in a leaky raft, uh, you know, sitting there either getting uh, a cold or getting sunstroke, waiting for fish that will never bite, fish that then you don't enjoy cleaning, fish uh, then that you, you know, that you may or may not even want to eat because they've come out of the weird radioactive Kennewick water. So growing up, I just, I kind of got a real aversion to fishing. So Lara has been on this kick though lately. She's like, well, it sounds interesting. It sounds, you know, like fun. We ought to go do it. And, we, you know, of course, we, we don't own any fishing gear. We don't own, you know, I, I do not own a fishing pole. I own no fishing equipment. But you're telling me you went fishing this way? Well, here's, <laughs> so I wanted to split the difference because, because you know, I wanted to see if she, you know, because she is sort of an outdoor person, and I thought she might like it. But at the same time, like, I'm not going to go to REI and lay down, you know, like $700 for fishing crap that we might never use again. So I figured the lowest 
like, the, what do they say, the low-impact aerobics? I figured the lowest-impact fishing we could possibly do would be, you know, like you go one of those, uh, like the farm, like a trout farm. You know, where it's like a man-made lake, basically. So they, they create, like, a big man-made lake in the middle of the forest, and they stick fish in it. And then, like, it allows you to sort of, like, you know, to practice casting, and then you practice catching the fish. But you're pretty much guaranteed to catch something. It's not like you're going to sit there, you know, all, all day long in a boat just, uh, you know, getting frostbite without catching anything. So it's sort of like a man-made lake with fish in it. So I explained this. I said, well, you know, there's this. And a listener had tipped me off because he heard me talking about it. He's like, well, there's this place in Sandy. It's like a, you know, kind of a trout farm where you can go. And Lara can kind of see if she's if she's into it or not. So we go out there. And anyway, long story short, it was just the, like, the most surreal experience because I haven't been. She's never been fishing. So it's like the blind leading the, the legally blind because she's never been fishing. I haven't been fishing since I was, Jesus, probably 12. Uh, and so there we are, just the whitest, lamest people on earth. Uh, like going to a trout farm, uh, and you know, it, where everybody else, the average age of the other fisher people was, I would say, oh, I don't know, seven. Uh, because that's, I mean, because that's what a trout farm is for. That's where, like, that's where you that's take like your a little kid. Totally. To... That's where you take your five-year-old son so he can learn to cast without blinding himself, and then you take him out to go like actual fishing on a river somewhere. So I am 35. My wife is in her 30s as well, and so there we are, and so. She, you know, it, it, like the first two, it was just a comedy of errors. I almost wish that I taped it. The first two casts we make, my first one goes into a tree. So that's me, like, trying to be the big, you know, like, let me let me show you how we used to do it back in Kennewick, hon. And I take, I take the fishing pole, and I totally am trying to do the big overhead cast into a trout farm pond, by the way. Oh, I wow. mean, it's like fishing with training wheels. It's like It's like fishing with training wheels and a helmet, and I still couldn't get it right. So here's me with the with my you know my my big ass like rented fishing pole. On here's how you do it. Now the key is to get to to get it over your shoulder, and then as the pole crosses your body, uh, you want to let go of the thumb button. And so I'm doing it in the first cast goes right into a tree, and of course, what do I immediately do? The fishing line has gone into a tree. No no no, I'll get that down. And so I start reeling it in. Of course, not realizing that there is, wait for it, yes, a fishing hook on the end of the line. So the fishing hook gets to the branch part and just goes chunk and just sticks itself into the branch. So then I am obliged to walk back to the office and explain that on the first cast, I have, in fact, snarled the entire fishing pole into a tree. So oh, my God. It was all kinds of fun. Uh, so and did it, you guys end up having fun? Yeah, no, she, she liked it. She was, it was kind of interesting to watch it uh, through, you know, from her perspective, because she finally, you know, she cast and she got a bite and she reeled it in. And it was that, because, uh, you know, even though I haven't fished in a long time, I spent a lot of time doing it growing up. And it is interesting how that stuff kind of does all come back to you, where I was getting all these, you know, these weird memories about having to go out fishing when I was a kid. But, so she's, she gets a bite and she reels it in. And the first moment when, like, an actual fish comes out of the water, and she's pulling the line toward her, and the fish swings toward her like some sort of horrible fin-covered pinata, uh, and hits her, and you know, and then she, she was kind of freaking out about the whole thing. And it was, oh. all, it was really weird. Um, anyway, it was kind of a surreal experience. Uh, so she ended up, I don't know, catching a couple, and then we went home or whatever. But I mean, but for as little effort as it really takes, because it is really just like like the most sissy form of fishing you can possibly imagine. But of course, you still get all the bad things about it. I end up going home smelling like fish guts, uh, Ew. just you know, cold, covered in mud, covered in whatever. So that was my the only. Here's the best thing about the fishing trip is that a, two things. A, I think she's discovered that fishing is not for her because I don't mean to be gross, but. You catch the fish, and then, you know, you want, you want to clean them before you go home because you don't want to just carrying a bunch of weird fish. So you're, you're going up to the little cleaning area, and there's, like, 
the little um, the little wooden thing that looks like a uh, is it the mortar or the pestle? What's the stick thing? That's oh, the God, mortar, I, no I think. Idea. Anyway, and she says, what's that? And I go, oh, that's for whacking the fish on the head. And I think she thought I was kidding until she saw, like, the guys, like, the fisher guys there with, you know, like, their big basket of 40 fish going through one at a time, like, whack, hitting the fish on the head. So I think that in, that moment right there, uh, she saw the guy with, like, a little fish club just whacking them in the face. I think that sort of cured her of the desire to fish anymore. So I don't think I'm going to have to do that again. The great moment, though, was on the way home when we passed a Del Taco. And I didn't think there was a Del Taco anywhere near Portland. I mean, even, you know, it's, on the, the outlying area. Eugene and, and, like, Albany. And I stuff. had no idea. It was the greatest moment of the entire weekend. That's how lame I am. So we're out there, and we're in nature, and we're catching fish, and we're going to take them home and cook them as God intended. And I'm all excited because on the way home, we passed a Del, uh, Del Taco, and I did the whole, you know, McRib is back thing. Uh, and we went inside. Do you realize that Del Taco now sells something just called a Big Fat? That's all it's called. There's no additional name, no further description. It's simply Del Taco's Big Fat. Uh, of which I ordered three, by the way. They Good were fantastic. Good for you. It was really, really wonderful. You are an ugly American. I am. Uh, you know what? And it was. here's the thing. Sometimes, like with that fruit pie that I was eating in the studio on Friday, sometimes you get those uh, like junk food or fast food, and it ends up not tasting very good. I have to tell you, that Del Taco was exactly as good as I thought it would be. I regret it not at all. It was fantastic. Good. I did, right. I, I did some hiking outdoors, too. We're all like outdoor people this yeah. weekend, I guess. No, it was... Really, if you know anybody who has never been fishing and doesn't know whether they want to do it or not, that is the best way to do it. You take them to just some weird trout farm and you know, whatever. And people, people can spare me the emails about how it's not real fishing. That was the whole point, really, because I know my wife, and my wife does tend to... Um, I mean, I love Laura, but she does have this thing where she's a lot like... I have to be very careful I rephrase this. She is in some ways like that Debbie woman from Singles. Uh, who is meeting would the guy, <laughs> the video the video date guy. the bike crap to yeah. go meet him? She's met, meeting a guy from a video dating service, and he's a bicyclist, so she goes to the store and lays out like $1,000 on biking wear just so. Lara kind of can be like that, where there's something she thinks she might have a little bit of an interest in, so she immediately goes and buys like all of the stuff to do that thing before she's even really unsure whether it's a thing she's going to follow through on or not. So I'm glad we did that. So now you have all the, this fishing equipment? No, no, because that's the thing is you go there and it's like a flat thing and they give it to you. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to, it's, it, it really is like you just show up and they hand you the fishing pole and they point to like where the fish are. So it was a good way for her to test whether or not she's into it. She is not. Um, we don't have time to read this email. So you guys read this before the show, right? Yeah. yeah. So we got the weirdest email today, and I don't think we have time to read it. Uh, we'll read it later on. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else? we got Lisa coming up. All right. And other things. So there you go. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back after this. Lisa Desjardins, Steve Castamon, Tim Riley's new news hour, the top five, Jim Roop, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio. That's the largest bottle of water I've ever seen. <laughs> I know. It's pretty big. Jesus. All right. Yeah, I didn't really notice that before. That's massive. That really is huge. Okay, so I guess um, Steve Castamon isn't available until afternoon. Damn you! So do you want me to do him at um, 12.10, or should we just... Damn you all to hell! Nah, screw it. Okay. You should phrase it to Dan exactly that way. Okay, screw it! I'd be very impressed with my... F that! Professionalism. Yeah. All right. It's the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program. I just got Charlton Heston going to my head. It's 503-733-2970. Here's what's coming up. We'll have uh, Jim Roof later on. Top five girliest songs on Rick Emerson's MP3 player. Uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Peter Carlin. i got to give Richie his fork back. 
I'm gonna forget. Unless you're gonna need it. Are you gonna need this fork later? Mm-hmm. <laughs> By the way, so there is now. We'll, we'll get Lisa here in just one second. There is now, uh, right there, a single fork that we're all sharing. That we're all sharing. So. Just, you know, and we are washing it in between. Insert joke <laughs> there. Well, that's you had that big bag of forks. And so I went through a hundred little mini forks. I always it, it bring it, for lunch. I try to bring something that I can eat. You know, the, like a sandwich, something you can eat with your hand that you don't have to have cutlery because you know I kind of multitask and that way I can be sort of eating the sandwich with one hand uh, and then doing news or show prep or, or whatever with the other hand. So I came in today with like some weird like it was like a ravioli thing, and I came to <laughs> I said, "Do you have any of those mini forks?" And you just lifted up the empty bag and there was nothing. And then there are no forks. I mean, really, honestly, I'm not trying to complain about CBS, but there's no cutlery of any kind in the kitchen. So I walk into Richie's office, and there was a fork sitting on the counter, which I guess is the fork that Richie uses every single day for his lunch. And he goes, you can use my fork if you want to. I don't got nothing. And then, I don't know, got nothing. But, of course, that's exactly the phrase that makes you clean it like four times as long. So I'm in there with the borax and wire wool. I just want, out of all of us, Richie's the only one that's been to a sex club. Well, that I know of. That is true. Let's welcome now to the... I haven't really thought about that. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Friendly Hill, CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hi there. Hi, guys. And I'm just going to be looking myself in the mirror all the time to see if I become jaundiced. Anyway, so uh, so I washed it repeatedly, uh, and then I used it to... So you'll need to wash it, though. So I'll let me hand you... And now, young man, I give no, the fork you. to you. Uh, All right, I grab it. Hi, Lisa. How are you? How was your weekend? Wow, I, I think maybe better than yours. It's just it's been a bit of a more. I was late getting to work today. It was just a uh, whole. Sarah pointed out to, when I came in today. Sarah said you seem really stressed, which is uh, it is telling about how long Sarah and I've worked together that I didn't. I don't think even think I'd said anything. I think I'd said nope. one. I think I'd said one word like hello. Sarah said, "Well, somebody's stressed out this morning," and I thought I was covering it pretty well. Um, I mean, I wasn't stressed out as such. I've just been playing a little catch-up all day because I was, supposed to, I was supposed to be here for a sales meeting at 8.30 this morning. I was supposed to be talking to some of the salespeople about some stuff. And it was that where at 8.25, I still had yet to leave the house. Oh, yeah. And I called the front desk. I called this guy, Dave Zinn, our gatekeeper. I said, tell, tell the sales guys that I'll be there. I'm running really late, but I will be there. And, of course, that's the day that, you know, like my dog doesn't want to get his business done on time. And I can't. Right. There's traffic on my street. I don't know. They've got there's like a bridge lift or something going on here. And all the time you're looking at your watch, thinking to yourself, I am now becoming that guy that I hate. You are now becoming the flaky guy that you always complain about. Um, and then so I, not to be burdening you with my personal problems, but then, here for. But, but then so I, so I finally get to the station this morning. The meeting is at 8.30. I finally pull into the station at 8.50 this morning, and I'm doing that thing, you know, running upstairs uh, like Gene Hackman in Uncommon Valor, upstairs, down the hallway, to the conference room, and just as I throw open the conference room, inside I hear them, well, okay, it's obviously not going to happen, so uh, we'll, we'll aim for Wednesday. Okay, gang, Wednesday. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm here. And they go, That's, no, it's, it's all right. We'll do it another day. <laughs> so just uh, busted my ass to get to work. It was 20 minutes late already and then ended up being that guy. So, and you still got a meeting to go. And, yeah, yeah, and I've still got a meeting to go, and I had to use Richie's fork. So, anywho... But it's... Uh, is this a plastic fork or a stainless steel fork? No, uh, Richie actually has a fork. He's smarter than the rest of us. He has a fork that he brought to work uh, for, like, just such an that, emergency. That's so. even worse, though, because you... you you've, Okay, you've probably... Oh, you've already gone there, but, yeah, that that seems worse to me. No, I, I washed it for a long, long time. But, I mean, it's just... And, look, it, that's a thing that you know sort of 
intellectually in your head that every piece of silverware that you have ever used in your life has been in someone else's mouth. Probably many, many, many people's mouths. Uh, but you just sort of don't. You know, like we all make an agreement in our own heads not to think about it. You know what I mean? That's true. That's like I, uh, like we all. Here's the. I, I read some story the other day in California where they were going to be talking about some water shortage in California, so they were going to be uh, recycling urine, and you you sort of agree inside your brain, you and your id agree not to think about the fact that really all water is recycled urine. Like really, when you think about it, but you know, but you just don't want to think. You don't want to view it that way, so you sort of put it out of your mind. I guess. Yeah, that's true. That's right. I'm sorry that you're being subjected to these weird stream of consciousness ramblings. Today. No, not at all. No, I, I maybe I maybe I don't worry as much about urine as I should. This is my question. It, it, it doesn't bother me so much. You're, maybe it should. I don't know. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it bothers me as such because I think it is actually sterile. Uh, That's but I, I mean, exactly. You know, but it, you know, it's just oh, okay. it's just yep. one of it's one yep. of those things that you know you we are in a closed uh, ecosystem here. It's true. It's true. And the stuff that we detest is the stuff that we ingest. Yeah, really. That? It really is true. Uh, just before we before we move on, one final observation, which is that here's something we were going to do today, but did not. Because I'm running late, Sarah has allergies and is feeling kind of under the weather. We were distracted before the show. I'm under caffeinated, so none of this happened. But we were going to, as your show notes for today, yeah. we were going to tell Dan. No, I didn't want to. By the way, this is all their idea, and I told Rick that he would have to call Dan and do this. I we were going to tell. Well, the first the first note we were going to be since we found out that he passes along our observations to you in the form of like Dan, right? I guess some sort of consulting. Uh, the first set of notes, the one that I proposed that Sarah vetoed, I was going to say this when we talked to Dan today. I was going to say, hey, Dan, we'd like to book uh, Lisa Desjardins at 1135. And, uh, boy, she was really great on Friday. Um, we do feel like um, she uses a few too many syllables right. uh, when she talks, though. We feel like maybe, you know, we want to have kind of a more inclusive show, sort of a big tent. And so we figure if she could use smaller words... That might go a long way towards really establishing her with, you know. So, and Sarah flat out vetoed that she wouldn't let us do it. Uh, so my next set of notes was going to be uh, that your segments are always great, and that we feel uh, you should work even more Melrose Place references into your observations. <laughs> that didn't happen today because we were underprepared. But right, just so you know, hey, there's a time, there's a place. Because I, I was looking, Dan was messaging me, and I could see that there was a message coming from it, and, and they were all just. KCMD, come, you know, wants a live shot. And it's like, oh. Now, this is what we spend our time doing, though, thinking of fake notes to give uh, the guy who scheduled your live shots. So Brilliant. I, I'm for that. Uh, well, not even that. He's most, he's her boss. Well, I never know how the power structure is. I think he is your works. boss, right, Lisa? I refer to him as my boss. I, I'm pretty sure he's my boss. He's not my, like, he's not the guy that would do my review, but that's Tyler. But since he works in the morning, he's kind of Tyler in the afternoon. So I, I think of him as a boss type person. Yes, Dan... I never thought that Laura Cav uh, Cavifel was a boss either, but then I heard people reference her as that. That's just because yeah. they were. They... It's all, you know, it's all territorial. And in the end, I remember when I very first met Laura, I had no idea who she was at all. And then she sort of said something, like, kind of gave me a commanding thing. And two seconds later, I emailed Tyler. Is Laura my boss, all caps? I think commanding was the only mode that Laura had. Uh, uh, no, there was much more to her, but yeah. Anyway, Dan, Dan very different than Laura, for sure. Lisa's well, so diplomatic. I well, love her. Moving on. Uh, hey, <laughs> hey, speaking of power structures and hierarchies and so forth, so, so, uh, so what, Mark Penn got bounced from the Clinton campaign or resigned? or? Uh, but is he still there just, like, hanging around? He, 
supposedly is available. I'm not sure if this, he's available for questions. Uh -huh. I'm not quite sure if this is just a media, you know, generally just call, call me, call me. But uh, they, they're leaving open the possibility that perhaps they will be in contact. Is this like when you break up with a girl and she says that you'll always be really good friends and you should get together sometime, but you know in your heart that's never going to happen? I think it's possible. Well, I, I actually read this more as there may be some times when someone from the Clinton camp does call him because they know he's particularly genius at this or that, and, and they're leaving this open. They're, they're, they're saying... Hey, don't, you know, essentially Barack Obama, don't make a big deal out of the, if you find out that we've called him in the future, because we, he, he, we may still use him as an advisor of some sort. But you know, it, it really is a sea change for the Clinton campaign today. He was their chief strategist. He was he not really a, to the status of Karl Rove, but, but that type of figure in the Clinton campaign. And he, but there's, there's a thing where he just, he cannot be um, publicly linked with the campaign because of this, this uh, what seems like a conflict of interest, right? That's right. In fact, it seems like a, a pretty clear conflict of interest. Essentially, his consulting firm uh, was hired by the Clinton campaign. He's their chief strategist. She is opposed to a free trade agreement with the nation of Colombia. Now, meanwhile, last week, he, Mark Penn actually met with the Colombian ambassador, who, of course, is in favor of the free trade agreement, and Colombia is also a client of his consulting firm. So on the one hand, he's, he's advising Hillary Clinton, who is against this free trade deal. On the other, he's being paid by the Colombians, who are in favor of it. And it has very serious repercussions in uh, especially sort of these states with a huge Democratic working-class vote. I.E. Pennsylvania. Like Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yes, exactly, that, that have lost jobs in the last decade, especially the last two decades. And a lot of people there think it's because of free trade agreements. And here's Clinton on the one hand saying, I'm opposed to this, but her main strategist is actually talking to the Colombians. Now, of course, it has even more uh, sort of connotations because Clinton criticized Barack Obama uh, for one of his advisors meeting with the Canadians over NAFTA. And, and that, you know, we can kind of get into that story, too. But essentially... Both of these campaigns have had advisors that have said and done things that have gone against what the candidates have been saying publicly, and it's costing them. It really is, and it's a bad time for this to happen for her because we're only like 18 days out, right, from uh, from Pennsylvania. That's right. How about that? We are, woo, we are, we are coming up on the 22nd. I know. You know, you can make the you can make the woo work. I can't really do that. When I when I try to make the woo work, it's like when I try to say baby. It just doesn't it doesn't really work. It doesn't flow properly. It's true though. Only 15 days, and the latest. Poll of polls, which is a kind of aggregate of all of these polls in Pennsylvania. The latest poll of polls has uh, Barack Obama down by seven points, and he he really is just pouring money into television advertising in Pennsylvania. He he is you know. If you were in Pennsylvania, you are seeing plenty of Barack Obama it, right now. It is so. It, it, Pennsylvania is so much considered just to be. Um, uh, uh, you know, in Hillary's column, it's not a question of how much she's. You know, how if she wins, but how much she right. wins by. If if she loses Pennsylvania, would you say that that is a big enough body blow that it effectively squashes everything? I think so. I think it's going to be almost impossible for her to recover. Now, not to say that she would pull out the next day. If it's a major loss, she probably would pull out the next day. But if it's a close loss, I think she would still have to pull out, but it, it, she might wait a little while. Oh, very exciting. Oh, by the way, as we wrap this up, you may, uh, I don't know if we said this to you or not, the very playing you that uh, hideous Barack Obama parody song we created. Yes. And that our whole goal was to see if we could sucker some uh, DJ into playing it and taking it seriously. Yes. Did I ever tell you the resolution of that? Um, yes. 
Did I? Did I already? Do? I talked to Tom Hartman. Think. All right, never mind. Yes, I'm sorry, which, which is fantastic. No, 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 that's fine. It's just uh, my head is just a big, uh, a big uh, blurred jumbly toy box I of things. Like sometimes a lot of this conversation is sort of a replay of Friday. I'm getting some serious deja vu. Is it really? From our yeah, from our Friday. What else have I repeated from Friday? This this could be early onset Alzheimer's. Well, the, the polysyllabic. Uh, Thing with with Dan was also from Friday. Now, did we say on the air that that was going to yeah. be our note? I thought that that was a thing that I said off the air, and then Sarah like smacked me around for it. Oh no, it was on air. But, but it was good. it was a good. I mean, it's been there's been a weekend. You know, this is going to be Friday. This is going to be like one of those things though, where like we're going to flash forward to later in the program where I like uh, you know where I think Sarah is my wife who's been dead for 20 years or something, and then the audience cries. Right. This is the first warning signs. Seriously, no, no, no. We thought he was just having a bad day. Nobody knew that there were big holes in his brain. <laughs> All right. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. You on tomorrow? Yes, yes. All right. I'm going to... Tomorrow, big Iraq day. General Petraeus is up here in the Senate tomorrow. My uh, my goal is to be 34% more lucid tomorrow. Okay. I think you can meet that. I All like right. that. I want you to set up the actual thermometer. <laughs> All right. Marker. Have a, have a great day, Lisa. Okay. You guys All do. All right. Bye now. There you go. Maybe that's a measurement on your fat scale. There's no need for that. Oh, it's... Why you gotta hate? We haven't weighed ourselves in a while either. Uh, I don't want to weigh myself. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson <laughs> oh, Show. I'll weigh myself today. Hi, okay. what's up? You know, my no. wife is bicycling to work every day now too, just to like further twist the knife every I single day. Today, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Hi, what's up, sir? Hello. Hello. Hi. Yes. Um. So, I'm the one who suggested that particular child farm. Oh yeah. Thank you. Uh. Yeah. We because we had discussed the fact that my wife wanted to uh, try her hand at fishing. Uh, but, uh, but I, I, I sort of suspected in my heart that she would do it and discover that it wasn't really for her. I mean, not that she didn't have a good time, but I mean, I think that she sort of figured out that it's not a thing she'd want to invest a lot of time or money into. She did. And she did have that thing. This is, this is how I knew. This is the moment when I knew we had made the right decision by going to like a trout farm as opposed to actually spending money to either rent or buy fishing equipment. So we're there, and it's like a trouter. You know, she catches the trout. She takes the trout out. And, of course, I'm not trying to be horrible, but, you know, you got to whack the trout so it's not just sitting there just flopping around. One doesn't wish to be cruel. So this is the as the trout comes out of the water, my wife's, my wife's first words are, oh, it's so cute. And I thought, well, that's it. There's, <laughs> there's going to be no ongoing fishing career for my wife. One can't. One can't be hunting animals while simultaneously talking about how cute they are. No, but uh, what I was curious about, um, so obviously you've been to other trout farms. How, that particular place. I, I actually I actually never have. No, that's actually the first time I've ever gone to like a, to, to a trout farm because, again, it, growing up, my dad would just take me out to, you know, like on the river or out to like, you know, ponds or whatever. I've never, I've never actually been to a place like that before. It was the right place to start for her, though, definitely. Okay. Well, that, that, believe me, that particular one is probably the nicest one anywhere. Yeah. Uh, I don't, they're, they're not all that nice. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I think if, if somebody wants to figure out whether they can sort of hack it at all, uh, that's probably the place to go. Again, it was interesting to note that the, every single other person who was fishing was like seven years old. And there's my wife and I who were both in our mid thirties. So, you know, what can you do? <laughs> Did you catch one from the big pond? Uh, no, because I think at that point, I mean, we'd sort of been, st- it was raining, and it was like cold and damp. And they have multiple ponds covering. There? Yeah, there was like four different ponds, and the fish are different sizes in each pond. And there's this one pond stuck way in the back where the fish are, you know, they're huge, uh, you know, and whatever. And then the deal is, you go there, and they, they like give you the tackle, but the, what you pay, they basically charge you per fish on the way out. So it's like for every fish you caught, they charge you depending on how big it is and whatever. Okay. 
but it's still a pretty good deal because you'd spend a lot more getting all outfitted for fishing and everything. And that was, the, yeah, and that was my yeah. thing. Even even to have rented equipment to go out somewhere, uh, it would have cost like three times the amount, and there was no guarantee that she ever would have caught anything. So right. this was a a good low-cost, low-impact way to sort of check that off the list of things she wants to try at some point, you know? All right. Well, fantastic. I, I'm sorry she didn't like it more, but uh, well, that's... what can you do? Out. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Right, you You're not sorry she didn't like it more? No, it's just... I'm not making it sound like, like fishing is the worst thing ever. It's just not for me. Uh, I am not an outdoor kind of guy. Uh, and so, you know, I'm glad we did it. Glad she had fun. Glad I don't ever have to do it again. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, everyone. How's it going? What's up? Hello. You're very uh, chipper. Uh, you shouldn't be so embarrassed about getting your line tangled up in the tree. Dude, it, it, it was... And because here's the thing about that is that... Wait, are you mocking me? No, no. I'm just glad... I, I just want to tell you what happened to me a long time ago. Just, but but just, continue. Just very, very briefly. So the thing is, so we're standing there in the bank. And again, all of this, the humiliation of all this is doubled by the fact that on the opposite side of this big pond, there is, no joke, like a seven-year-old who is casting, you know, like 9,000 yards. Little bass master. Yeah, he's just sitting over there with his fishing pole. And this little kid is just, you know, he's not even in long pants. He's over there like, zzz, and he throws it like 200 yards deep <laughs> into the middle of a pond. Are you jealous of the little kid? No, and, and of course... It's that dumb guy thing where I am not a, I mean, at this point, I am not an outdoor person at all. I haven't fished in two decades. I wasn't even good at it when I was a kid. Uh, you know, I never got any better at it. But, of course, you put a fishing pole in my hand on Saturday. And what am I, Honey, here's the thing. Here's what you want to do. Now, you want to, this is, your stance is really important, sweetie. Uh, you want to, you want to sit like this. Now, you want to put your legs about shoulder width apart. Now, when the pole crosses your body, that's really when you want to let go of the button. And, you know, because otherwise, uh, you know, you're not going to get the distance that you need. And then I'll teach you about setting the hook. And, of course, what do I then do? Well, let me, let me demonstrate, sweetie. This is really try. Now, now, don't try to do it all at once, little lady. Just uh, watch me do what I do. And then I, you know, whoosh, right into a tree. And then, That's genius. And then I'm trying to get it out of the tree, and I reel it in, and the hook, like, sinks into a branch. And at that point, I just sort of hung my head and just said, you know, I'm a retard. Well, when I was fishing, I, I had the habit where I was very young uh, and poor. Uh -huh. So um, instead of uh, taking my, uh, you know, girls I liked out to fancy restaurants and what have you, I uh, would take them fishing. It was pretty good because, you know, at nighttime, sit around like a body of water and just kind of sit there with a right. bottle of water. It was, it was nice. Anyway, um, uh, one of the times that I actually did try to fish, I um, snagged my fishing line on a goat. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was, my friend, it was my friend's property. And uh, to keep the weeds down and whatnot, he would uh, let like, uh, you know, four or five goats just kind of wander the property. I bet the goat was really happy about that. Yeah, well, uh, of course, it had to be like the the biggest, oldest, meanest goat. Yeah. And um, the, you know how Indiana Jones, he just kind of does his whip thing, and it wraps around the tree branch, and right. he uh, swings across the hole. Yeah, well, I had like a really expensive lure that my grandpa loaned me, uh -huh. and uh, the weight, and it... Uh, <laughs> I, I kind of flung the, the line off to the side, and it hit the horn, and it just kind of did that uh, Indiana Jones thing where it just like, kind of wrapped around the, the horn like, you know. Like, so a, could... like a batarang. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and um, you know, I was like, oh, crap, what do I do now? Um, 
So basically, uh, we tried to approach the goat to uh, unsnag the line from his horns, and then he just kind of got up onto his hind legs and kind of <laughs> led with his horns. <laughs> and we just obviously jumped back and stayed away from him. And, uh, you know, there's maybe about ten minutes where we uh, were trying to figure out, well, we don't want to leave the goat like this because that's mean, but I don't want to die either. So <laughs> um, eventually I got as close as I possibly could without scaring the goat, and I just kind of snipped it, and, uh, yeah, so... Fantastic. Excellent. Okay, I don't feel quite so bad. Yeah, right. I, I heard that and had the share. Thank Hope you, sir. You enjoyed. Thank you. Oh, by the way, and here's the other thing, and of the two people there, uh, you know, me, who, you know, I fancied myself some sort of former fisher person, at least, and then my wife... I was, of course, the only one who repeatedly snagged myself on the fish hook. First time, honey, let me show you. Now, baiting the hook is really important. Your technique is a, right into my hand. I would have loved if somebody was videotaping uh, you I, trying really to teach her how to fish. That, uh, we should have that's filmed That's exactly it. what you should have been it doing. Was that like seems like something you would do. Full-on screaming retard mode. I mean, I could not have been more inept. I mean, it was just, and again, every time I'm making one of these mistakes, throwing my fishing line at the tree, well, fishing stabbing are kind myself. Well, scary, too, because you can't, unless you know what you're doing, you can't really control it. Plus, there's this, like, giant spiky thing on yeah. the end of it. Oh, that was the totally other thing. It's really easy to hook on things. Totally. That was the other thing. So as I get it hooked in the tree, I'm sort of trying to pull it out of the tree, but realizing that, you know, I'm trying basically to yank a big barbed hooky thing directly at my face. Mm. Uh, that was why at one point I just decided, F that. Hi, you're on the Rick yeah. Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, uh, Rick, I wanted to make sure I heard this right. Uh, after you said you borrowed uh, Richie's uh, his fork, yeah, you said you wanted to check and see if you were jaundiced. Yes. So I want to make sure. So you, in uh, after borrowing an Asian man's fork, you wanted to see if you're turning yellow. That is true, sir. Well spotted. Okay. Thank you. Bye. All right. One more, and then we'll break. Come back with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, I was just wondering. Uh, sometimes you mentioned Dave Finn, and you mentioned as the. Uh, the Gatekeeper. Yes. I was wondering uh, what what that means, really. Uh, for anybody to come into the building, for anybody to pass into the studio, for anybody to gain any kind of access uh, to this, uh, because we really are in a bunker down here. I mean, uh -huh. we are behind, I think, at least three different electronically sealed doors. Uh, and, and out front, there's another electronically sealed door, bulletproof glass. Uh, for anybody to get into the building to do anything, they must pass through Dave's Inn. It's not like a thing where you could just storm the building and run past the desk out front. Uh, Dave is the keeper of all who come into the building. I see. Cool. And then one other thing. I was wondering, uh, when you did the top five, I think it was Friday, yeah. um, you mentioned um, the Weird Al song about um, having a palindrome. Yeah, the song Bob. Yeah, what, what, what's that mean? Uh, a palindrome is a word or sentence or phrase that is spelled the same backward as forward. Uh, like race car. Is that true? Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, okay, like a oh. so or like you know the, the simplest example is the word Bob, spelled mom, the same backward as Mom sure. Bob. And then there's really there's really elaborate ones like um like a man a plan a canal Panama, spelled the same. Oh, okay. You know if you put that on a piece of paper and then turn it backward, it's the same same sentence. Yeah, I've thought of Bob and Hannah before. Cool. Yeah. Right so, on. so there you go. Thanks. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye now. All right. Let's take a break. Tim Riley, have ye news for us? Yes. You know we're out of Viso again. I feel like I'm being punished for the time that Big Jim broke the machine without any help from me. Oh, that's, that's tacky. You can't that, put that all on Big the Jim. The Jim broke the machine while I was upstairs in my office. Uh, all right, let's take a break. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Go nowhere. All right.
right, now we're all sniffling. Tim's left eye is itchy. Sarah can't breathe. That's great. This isn't going to be blamed on me, though, is it? No, no, because I think it is an allergy thing. Okay. No, I think it's uh, there's something in the air. And I don't mean that like. I've been repeatedly washing my hands and, yeah. No, I'm pretty sure it is. And I'm pretty sure that we're, because we wouldn't all immediately, uh, you know, like even if you had a cold or something, I don't mm. think we would all immediately have all the same. And plus, I have no other cold symptoms. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like a cold to me because I, like, when I'm sick, I lose my appetite entirely and I'm just starving. All right. No, I think it's. Yeah, I think it's just, as Tim noted, every studio they put us in is filled with, uh, every time we work for somebody, they put us in a studio that's filled with dust. I don't know what that's all about. All right, at the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. At the top of our news today is a snuff watch. Here is your Snuff Watch for Monday on the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program. Okay, here's the moment that many have been waiting for. It's okay now to take his gun away. I have only five words for you. <laughs> From my cold, dead hands. <laughs> that headline was the best thing ever. Yeah, I know. I, a, nobody can steal your thunder. That's Mr. a great joke, Tim. I couldn't wait to get to work today. I'm glad you found that joke. <laughs> Someone can finally take his gun away. <laughs> Oh, Should I re- I'm going to be repeating it again every hour. Play it a thousand times today. Yes, he's dead. Uh, Charles Anthony Heston was uh, 84. Uh, he died Saturday night at his home in Beverly Hills with his wife Lydia at his side. I didn't even know he had a wife. They declined to comment for I don't think he did either at that point. Uh, let's see. So, um, yes, he was one of those old-time uh, Hollywood movie actors. And uh, his heyday began in 1952 with the greatest show on earth. He played circus manager Brad Braden. Then 1956, The Ten Commandments. 59, Ben-Hur. Then through the 60s, El Cid, the greatest story ever told, the agony and exit, Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Will Penny. And his uh, final uh, big screen event was 1994. It was Airport 1975, a sequel to the 1970 hit Airport. Uh, wait, he was last one what, huh? Uh, let's see. The last big one was Airport 1975, a sequel to the 1970 hit Airport. Is that true? That was like his last uh, starring role? Yeah. What did he, did he just quit acting or did they quit asking him to act? Probably quit asking him. Interesting. Uh, he was also in Tombstone, by the way. Yep. So, uh, all right. He was asked uh, about playing so many uh, great men in history. I've played probably more genuinely great men in the lexicon of history than most actors, because I find them interesting parts. Man for All Seasons, uh, Khartoum, Thomas Jefferson. And they are more interesting than the rest of us. Because they have some driving thing they are going to do. It's funny. Everything he says sounds like Moses. Every single thing. You know, he, he was one of those old-time uh, Hollywood actors that kind of disappeared after the 1950s. Yeah. You know, the larger than life. And he came along a little bit too late to be considered like one of the greats from the golden age of Hollywood. He came around in the 50s. It is interesting that he... I think you really hit it here with the... the because I don't ever remember Charlton Heston as anything except 
Like a guy who had already been a legend and retired by the time I was even aware of movies. Yeah, exactly. Like he would, that was that was the thing. Is like he was always just one of those guys who used to act in movies like 20 years ago. Uh huh. So. Yeah, he he started a little bit late. Had he started like in, in the 30s, he might have been part of what was considered the golden age of Hollywood. But by the time the 50s came around, you know, the studio was pretty much purging themselves of people on contract right. and all the big names at that time. And that's when he came around. You know, he he never really transferred to television like all, a lot of the actors in the 50s did. He he well, he did have a few uh, like uh, Ben Hur. He was the uh, chariot trainer in that one. But I said, there's just one thing worries me. I said, we're going to start shooting this in another week. And all this time, it's only been you and me and this one white team. And when there's going to be seven other teams out there, I don't know if I can uh, cut that. And Yak looked at me. He said, Chuck, you just make sure you stay in the chariot. I guarantee you're going to win the dang race. It's kind of weird because he was in that middle period where if he'd been around a few years earlier, he would have been... You know, in that sort of Clark Gable, yeah. the Humphrey Bogart uh, sort of era. Uh, and he was also, he also came along late enough that I think by the 70s, he had sort of fallen out of favor. Mm-hmm. Because I think he was viewed as sort of being an old square. Exactly. And, you know, he never transferred to do it, really any TV. Right. So, uh, had, he, had he, like, had a heyday about maybe five years earlier than that? I think he was in, was he in Touch of Evil, or am I thinking of somebody Touch else? Touch of Evil, 1958. Yeah. Played a Mexican narcotics official opposite Orson Welles. <laughs> they I want Charlton know. Heston to play a Mexican. Okay. Uh, so the tributes are rolling in, including actor uh, Jason Ritter remembers Heston for his cameo role in Mike uh, Mike Myers' Wayne's World. Great cameo where this this uh, this gas station attendant comes up to Wayne to give him directions, and he's sort of flubbing his lines. And Wayne says, "Can we get a Can we get a good actor in here?" And Charlton Heston stands in and gives his beautiful monologue about, you know, I used to know a girl who lived on Cherry Street, and Mike Myers has a tear at the end. But it just was like, you know, that I that is invaluable to me. Uh, Shirley Jones was a good friend of his, apparently. I fell in love with him in every way. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, as a person, as an actor, as just in general. He was an incredible man. Doesn't he seem like a guy who was, I mean, I don't pretend to know anything about him, but doesn't he seem like a guy who was probably kind of a jerk in his personal life? Mm -hmm. I can can really easily picture Charlton Heston at home going, I am not to be spoken back to. You, a woman's place is to be loved and cherished and to do as she is told. I I can really easily see that coming out of him. And the thing was, a lot of people have forgotten about or probably didn't know, he campaigned for both Adlai Stevenson and JFK, two liberals. I didn't know that. See, you have to die before people find these things out. He was also the president of SAC from 1966 to 71. And he also uh, marched with Martin Luther King Jr. Okay, well, I... So you can be a liberal and carry a gun around. It's uh, it's weird because didn't he turn into a real... Wasn't he a real Reaganite? Uh, toward mm-hmm. the end, too. Is that a thing where? Just, is that another one of those things where, as you become old, you become like a big conservative crank? Yeah, he, he was the president of the NRA from 1998 to 2003, stepping down only after being diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And of course, that's where the uh, that's where the famous. I have only five words for you. From my cold dead hands. That's gonna be. Yeah. You know, we've got like another uh, another 11 hours today that we can do that. Um, I had no idea. That is interesting. Yeah. So did, did he become? Was he just a guy that embraced, do you suppose, varying conservative or, and, and liberal causes? Uh, just one by he sort of picked them one by one, or did he? Was he one of those guys where he, he was at one point liberal and then just became conservative when he hit like sixty? 
I guess so. I, I, I guess he picked and chose a lot of things. Interesting. All right, and then of course he was in, uh, you know, that that horribly, weirdly awkward uh, sequence at the end of Bowling for Columbine too. Oh, it's on my website today. If you want to watch the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Anyway, so there yeah. you go. Charlton Heston dead. Oh, we we have to uh, bring in Wayne Lapierre. Oh, that that Mormon-looking guy, Boy, really? who's the NRA executive vice president. What a, I forget who first made this observation. I don't think it was me. It was somebody talking about Wayne Lapierre, which is like the least likely name for someone who's going to head the NRA. You know what I mean? I know it's like a French name. He was a larger-than-life actor, and and he loved that that uh, that profession. He also felt it was a duty of every American citizen to speak out politically. Well, okay. And we have, uh, so that's it for him. Uh, we have another dead guy, a local fellow, a Portland icon, and K2 weatherman, not Tom Bosley, but Jim Bosley. Tom Bosley. No, he's a different person. I know. He's dead. He's 73. Uh, he had heart failure. His nickname was The Boz. He worked at uh, K2 for years, like 30 years, apparently before we were here. Now, we were talking about this this morning because uh, I saw this, and several people emailed it to me. They said, Rick, have you, can you um, sweeten my microphone ever so slightly? Thank you. I came in today, and a bunch of people had sent me the thing. Did you, did you hear that, um, what's his name? Uh, Jim Bosley. Jim Bosley. That they hear Jim Bosley died. And I said, who's that? And they said, oh, you know, he's that guy that was on K2 forever. And so I came and found Tim. Just as Tim was looking for me, we both had the same question. Who is Jim Bosley? Uh, and I had never heard of him, and I don't think you had, because it, he must have already retired. Yeah. Maybe by the time no, we got here. Day. Apparently he started in 1962. Yeah. So he was the Brick Tamblin of, uh, maybe of 1970s K2. Exactly. Yeah. And he was, he was a bald-headed fellow with an umbrella, apparently. And, uh, yeah, he retired after a long time. He also enjoyed uh, creating sculpture and was a resident artist at a gallery. And every market has a guy like that. Uh, that as you and I'm and no disrespect to Jim Bosley, obviously people liked him and you know they were into him and he has you know kind he of has a name recognition which yeah. is more than most people have. It is true. It's just one of those things where if you are just in a place long enough, uh, eventually you become one of those guys. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Is if you just if you just hang around long enough, eventually you will get some sort of a claim. So uh, anyway, good for him. So uh, so I guess he made an impact on people and now he's dead. Yep. So uh, that Jim Bosley and. Uh, Charlton Heston. There you go. Your double snuff watch for Monday. It's Tim Riley. Well, I probably wouldn't have included Princess Diana, but she's been there for a long time. And uh, they've been arguing about her death for years, and finally, I guess they're overdone with it. They said it was caused by speed and the paparazzi, which everybody knew. But a lot of people accused the uh, the royal family of orchestrating The royal this. family would mm-hmm. never do anything. They would never put anybody in harm's way, Tim. No, they wouldn't. Uh, former Metropolitan Police Chief John Stevens led the inquiry until their deaths. And uh, he says, well, this is the end. I do hope everybody will take this verdict as being closure to this particular tragic incident and the people who have died will be allowed to rest in peace. Well, that's not going to happen. Did you... Now, did, uh, am I conflating a bunch of different incidents in my head, or was her driver... Did they figure out that the driver was drunk? Yes. Is that the guy who was driving her car yeah. had had several or whatever? It was going fast, and, and then Rousey were chasing her around. And then decided to speed recklessly into a tunnel, and mm-hmm. I guess that worked out fairly badly, so... All right. Now, speaking of other dead people, a new tabloid report suggests... More sinister forces may have been at work in the death of Sonny Bono, the Globe, which is very seldom quoted at all. Quotes former FBI agent Ted Gunderson 
who says an investigation into Bono's fatal 1998 skiing accident leads him to believe the Palm Springs mayor was assassinated by hired hitmen. <laughs> he suggests uh, I'm sorry, I'm not Bo- laughing at Bono was beaten to death oh. on the Nevada slopes on orders of dragon weapons dealers who feared he might expose their connections to top government officials. After investigating the evidence and circumstances relating to uh, Bono's death, Gunderson tells the paper in his quote, Nonsense, unquote. Ted Gunderson sounds like a made up. Ted Gunderson sounds like a guy who would be a Phil Hendry character. Mm-hmm. Some fabricated FBI agent. So, Sonny Bono, assassinated, we may never know. So that's that. Uh, back to local stuff now. A driver going more than 100 miles an hour sparked a police chief that ended in a crash. Uh, deputy spotted Brent Barger speeding down Southeast 82nd Avenue. Well, who wouldn't? There's so much to see there. That you have to go through that quickly. Uh, so he's speeding down all the seconds at 100 miles an hour. Honey, we've got to see all of 82nd before the day is over. Strap yourself in. Lingerie, lingerie, lingerie. <laughs> Dollar store. <laughs> Dentist. Uh, Cockamas County Sheriff's Office said Barger was heading to I-205, but he travels yeah. out and eventually north on an I-5. So they put down a spike strip near Tigard that he ran over. The SUV's tires had punctured. He lost control, went airborne, and then slammed into a light pole. It wasn't seriously hurt taking to OHSU. Uh, Barger has an extensive criminal history, including felony arrest warrant for driving to the influence. Well done. Uh, they, they're also charging him with an additional count of driving to the influence of intoxicants and attempting to elude. Now, there are several instances why not to help people in need, and you really shouldn't be. Uh, police responded to a carjacking at a PDX airport parking lot yesterday morning. Apparently, around 6.55 in the morning, an airport parking attendant told police a man held him at gunpoint and stole his truck. This happened in the economy lot. Uh, let's see. So this guy holds him at gunpoint and takes his Ford Ranger pickup. This is the guy who's supposed to be patrolling the parking lot. And they find the uh, the pickup truck a little bit later. The parking attendant described the suspect as an African-American between 25 and 35, wearing a half a white shirt, no shoes, and may have had a cut on one hat. So he sees this guy and offers to help him, which you should never do. Uh... And the victim was not injured, so that's a good thing. You know, the economy, and of course, that's where I park constantly. Mm. The, econ- the economy lot. The economy lot well, that's is... where Bob the bus driver works. The economy lot. You know, when I came back from Vegas, I was hoping to get that guy, and he wasn't driving that night. Started. I was hoping to have Bob, and I was all good. And I was really hoping to have something, because I, otherwise I just sit there and I just recite the mnemonic device that I've created to remember exactly where I've parked. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hoping to have something, you know, a pleasant diversion. Bob was not driving the bus that night. But... Do you ever, okay, now I don't think anybody here, has any of us ever been carjacked? No. Because that's a thing that, it seems on the one hand very dramatic like a carjacking, but apparently it happens a lot. I mean, I guess it's a thing that happens pretty frequently. It is, I mean, if you're stopped at a stop sign, you know, in southeast anywhere. and well, well, you always give yourself ample room between you and the car in front of you so you can pull out quickly. See, that's spoken like somebody who lived in Los Angeles, yes. by the way. Yes. That's totally, that is a things I learned while living in L.A. by Tim Riley. <laughs> no, never pull up close to anybody, anywhere. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about oh, that. Oh, yeah, that's the first thing I think of when I come to a stop. The, uh, have you ever done this? Have you ever been, uh, let's just be honest, Have has anybody here ever been stopped at a stoplight and you see a gang of youths? Hanging on the street corner, and you reach over and you lock your car oh, door. Oh, no, you have to do the casual, like, doing it with your elbow. <laughs> totally. Plunk. Yeah. No, 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 I'm just reaching into the glove box to get something. And you put down all the locks. Or you just, you're re- And then as you are, or like in my, you know, in my car, I've got the, um, you know, the electronic locks. And so I, uh, the, um, I'll, I'll be standing there at a red light, and I'll, and I'll see some ne'er-do-wells sort of hanging around on the corner. And I kind of, 
Well, let me just lock all the car doors, and I hit the button, and then you are convinced that they can hear the sound. That they, that you know whoever it is, it's standing Everybody on will the, turn around the sidewalk, and they're they're all going to turn and they're all going to turn and look at the lame guy locking his car door. Um, but carjacking is one of those things that's never happened to me. And nor am I incur. I'm not asking for it to happen. Let's be very clear on that point. But yeah, well, well, they, they wait till you get out of the vehicle, then they steal it. Now, see, is that the case? Because see, here's the thing: is the carjacking. It, it's kind of weird because it's never happened. But I sort of. It's wrong to say that I that I, I don't fantasize about it, but I imagine it. I sort of I, I fantasize about it. the things that come out of your mouth. <laughs> oh, I can't tell you that I'm not fantasizing about no, being carjacked. <laughs> I am a man who Would enjoys... Would you, like, play it in your mind and think what you do? Candlelight dinners and carjacking. Um, you can see Richie at the swingers club. Have you ever fantasized about carjacking? I'm going to be a carjacker, and you're going to be uh, you're going to be driving a Chevy Love. Um, <laughs> no, the, but I play it out of my head. Like, I sort of I, I sort of have it on a loop in my head sometimes, where I sort of imagine, what would I do if I were to be carjacked? And, you know, the thing is, as many times as I've thought it through in my head for, like, no readily apparent reason... I've never come up with the answer. I think I would just scream like a girl. I think that truly would be it. That would be the end of the scenario. I would scream and go, don't hurt me, and then give them the keys. But you're saying that it typically happens if you get when you're getting out of the car? No, it could happen when you're, when you're shopping, and, and, and the element of surprise will catch you when you have a handful of shopping bags. As you're on your I, way. I would imagine that would be the time that most people would do that. So it's, when, so it's not like, because I think in the movies it's always depicted as happening at a red light. There's a guy, you know, you pull up to the red yeah, light at the stop sign, yeah, and a guy walks up to the car mm-hmm. and says, like, open the door, and then you open the door and get out, and he, he speeds off. But it seems like it probably wouldn't happen there, also because at a red light or a stop sign, you will, the odds are there will be someone either in front of you or behind you who would see it or witness it or whatever. So, okay, parking yeah. lot. Beware of parking lots. So here's another story of somebody trying to help somebody who ended up regretting it. So never help people. A homeless man who broke into a woman's home in northeast Portland and savagely beat her after she tried to help him will spend the next 12 years in prison. Uh, James Denovan forced his way into a home, attacked the resident, and stole her car before getting caught. He cried in court. Well, who cares at this point? Uh, the woman thought she was going to die. He'll serve 150 months in prison, undergo drug and alcohol treatment. Uh, apparently, this guy came to her house looking for handouts after she recently hired him as part of a yard work crew during Portland's Teen Challenge. Uh, so she gave him a few dollars in bus fare, and he left, and he came back a few minutes later, began punching and choking her while demanding money and keys to her car. So, and she knew who he was. So, uh, anyway, he's going to prison where he belongs. The key is not to help the less fortunate. No. Really. So he was a teenager, and then she hired him to do something, and then he came back and just began uh, wailing on her? No, actually, why did she hire a 39-year-old man during a teen challenge? That, that didn't make any sense to me either. Yeah. All right. Well, whatever. So anyway, I mean, the, the poor will kill you. Really? Where's, Char- where's Charlton Heston when you need him, really, honestly? I mean, if they're not ruining the max train and carving things up with knives, <laughs> you know, they're waiting for you. <laughs> this, we should get Lacey to run some PSAs to this effect. Don't help anybody, and the poor are evil. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. Here's an interesting uh, call. I'm looking here at the call. Oh, by the way, Richie, uh, we sent Richie over to the... We didn't send him. We asked Richie if he would Don't go to the... Don't say we. It was you. <laughs> well, here's you. the thing. I, we've gone through this before that I, I had no problem sending Scotty J across the street to purchase something at the plaid pantry or, like, getting our lunch from the kitchen or, you know, going out to move one of our cars. It, 
it I think what there I think there is like some weird awkwardness with Richie about it though because Scotty was just such a goof that you felt I mean really what was he going to be doing? It's not like he was going to be doing actual work back there. But Richie actually is working and doing things and being productive. So part of me hates to be like, "Hey, uh, you Richie, quit your actual work. Go over to the go over to the plant pantry and buy me a fiso." Um, but yet I did just that about 15 minutes ago. So I gave him like four bucks and I said, hey, uh, you know, can you pick me up a Viso and get yourself one or, you know, whatever. A little know. extra to buy some candy. Buy, buy, buy yourself something shiny with my $2. What did he buy himself, do you know? Uh, you know, I don't know what he bought himself, but he came back over <laughs> uh, clutching the phone number of the new girl who works there. What? He just, well, let's, uh, let's ask him about it, shall oh, we? Called Sex Panther. Oh, by Odeon. So apparently she hasn't been claimed by Timmy Ryan yet. Oh, I guess. <laughs> Timmy, uh, which microphone is it? I don't know. Try three. Does it work yet? Try three. Try four. Right now. Okay. Testing. Right, yeah. There we go. That sounds good. Uh, no, I guess Richie. Ha- I guess Timmy hasn't a stake to claim, or maybe he has. Maybe this is. Oh my God. Maybe this Let is. Let me see that. Uh, let's not use her name. I will. No, you're gonna ruin I'm it. Not, why would I ruin let's it? Let's call her Phoebe Jane. You really think I would do that? Uh. <laughs> so Richie was just clutching her phone number protectively, like one would hold a small baby. Um, <laughs> and they won't give it to me because what? Because I feel like the kind of person that would tear it up for like. Can I? Can like I see that. it? I just want to. I want to see her handwriting. That's what I was looking at too. It's the handwriting of an angel. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. Could be. Uh, I think she's cute though. I will say that. I do think so. Have you met her before? What's going on here? No, he just mentioned her when I, he goes. Oh, well, here's, a new girl or here's the conversation because it, because Richie was going over to the plant pantry. Oh, Richie, how many squirts did you use today? <laughs> I have a cold. I can barely breathe, and I can smell you from over here. Well, I had to go to plaid. <laughs> uh, did you put? Wait, wait, hold on. Got him a phone number. We, we, <laughs> is that <laughs> Sex Panther? Um, we uh, so we have to stop here. Uh, by the way, just let me back up. So we we went to see Anchorman. <laughs> The midnight movie that Court and Fatboy had was Anchorman. There's that whole sequence where Brian Fantana is opening, like the bookcase opens, and there's the big wall of bad perfume, and then there's the Sex Panther. The funny thing is, that looks exactly like Richie's little section of his office in there where all of the cologne is sitting there. Like, Brian Fantana has only slightly more bottles of cologne than Richie does. So, I'm talking to Richie during the break. And I said, hey, so if you can grab me a visa, that'd be great. We're, we're out. And he said, all right, I'm going to go hit on Tabby. And that was the girl that Timmy Ryan had, I think, hooked up with who worked there. And I said, no, 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 there's a new girl. And I said, it's not Tabby. It was a new girl. And he goes, oh, is she cute? And I, I said, yes, she is. And uh, so I, they're on a good streak over there with girls at the plaid pantry. Boy, this sounds like such a horrible conversation. We sound like the most pig-like men right now. You do. Maybe we should have a contest. The girls of the plaid pantry. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll, be, that'll be the new Playboy spread. It can be your calendar. Like a girl from plaid pantry. Convenience store. Hey, that's not a bad idea, actually. Convenience store chicks. <laughs> some big, some, some big well, I mean, that is like what we live off of is convenience stores. It really is true. Anyway, so she's... Uh, I would say that she's a, she's something of a looker. Yes, I've went to like a lot of plaid pantries, and there is nothing looking for dates. There, there is nothing <laughs> out there. So I have to kind of lower my standards. <laughs> Thanks. Be sure to Wait phrase it. Yeah, you should tell her that. Be, for, be sure to phrase it just that way when you talk to her. Look, I've Hi. had to uh, I've had to be a little more elastic in my selection of women. So, uh, but you got. How did you get the number from her? Uh, can I and can I ask see. you this sincere? And then we'll break. We'll come back with more news. Um, Here's the reason I ask about getting her number, because I think that's a thing that you see depicted away. Well, yeah, I got the digits from that girl. But I like getting a girl's number was never really my strong suit. Like I was never able to like find a smooth way. How, yeah, did, how did you do it? Richie? How did guys ask for your number, Sarah? I mean, you know, either now or in the past or whenever. How do guys do that? What um, is the, you know, 
Oh, they usually just, yeah, like, I'll be chatting with them and be like, hey, can, you know, um, would you mind if I got your number so I go, we can, like, hang out sometime or something? I'm like, okay. Either, and if I'm interested, I'll be like, okay, or I'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't, I wanted to tell you I'm, I'm seeing somebody. Right. I don't think you'd be too stoked on that. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So it's just, yeah, it's just, but not without having a conversation first. I don't so it's like, not like you have calling cards or anything like no, that? No, no calling totally, cards. You should totally do well, that. Well, I've been asking you for business cards. I'll get that taken care okay. of. Okay. Um, because doesn't it seem like when you ask a girl for her number, uh, that is the, I mean, that's the moment right when you're putting it all out there. Like, that's the stepping onto the thin ice moment. Yep. Because she's either going to say yes, in which case she is either interested or maybe open to the possibility, or she's going to say, no, 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 I'm seeing somebody, or, boy, I'd rather, you know, I'm I'm just kind of getting over somebody right now, or I'm not really I've dating. never really used that, though. I, like the, No, it's always, it's always better to have an excuse. But, yeah, but, but I mean, she's either going to say yes, or she's going to come up with a reason not to. And so it's either going to be... And if she gives you the number, uh, at the, like for that moment when she gives you the number, even before you call, like it's still a good day, right? Because you're in that great moment between the stress of asking for the number and then the stress of you actually calling the number. Uh-huh. So if you get a number and you decide, well, I'm not going to call her for two days. Or and then it gets pulled back into like the text message or phone call thing. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but during that like 36 hours or whatever before you call the number, it's a great, like, you, you know, you're feeling the rarefied. I hate I that waiting number. time. I'm just saying because then you've you've gotten over the stress of getting it, but you haven't had the horror of having to call. So how did you ask for her number, this, uh, well, this girl with the plaid? I kept in my mind that I'm working. This is work. <laughs> <laughs> then I, she said, oh, she's new. And I said, oh, do you know it's Tabby and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay. Can and, then, you? and and then I, I said, well, are you friends with Tabby? And she goes, she barely knew her. And I said, well, uh, she, isn't she seen my friend Timmy? Oh, please. Dude, while trying to get a were girl's really number... Were you really playing that stupid? You know that that's not happening. And were you playing the I'm a, I know Timmy Ryan card to try to get a girl's number? No, just somebody that's... So you're trying to find like something with. that you could kind of connect with. Yeah. Something you have in common. We have Timmy Ryan in common. <laughs> and she's new over there, and so it's just like, oh. So then how did you actually ask for the number, though? I, I, this is fascinating to me. I said, well, this is kind of awkward. And I said, well, i got to go back. i got to hurry. You think uh, maybe I could call you sometime? And she... Pulled out the receipt and put her name and her number. Good for you. Yeah, see, That's I never had that receipt. confidence. I just, I was, I can't, I can't do that. Uh, Me either. I've never work. had that. Yeah, I just, <laughs> the putting it out there, it's just way too much. Uh, I'd rather just go home and cry alone. So, excellent. Good for you. All right, we'll see what happens. Are you, so, what are you going to do? You gonna, when are you calling? Uh, I don't know. Go to Timmy's house. <laughs> go to a picture show. <laughs> Grab Tabby and go to the Angels. So now it is. Is Timmy flying out? Tabby, I thought he had no. another lady friend. No. So wait, but today is Monday. So when are you? When are you going to text or call or whatever? I don't know. I got to get the actual Kahuna's to call back. The Kahuna's <laughs> say, well, uh, I, have to, me? Get, I have to get the Hawaiian know. Tiki guy oh, yeah, to call. Get, <laughs> no, I just figure I was going to go after the show back over there. Did you say I have to go back over and be on the radio now? I'm sorry. I, uh, <laughs> I'd love to stay in chat. Well, you're going to go back after the show? Well, as, as long as she's on. Right. You should go back and just stand outside smoking and shuffling nervously from foot to foot. <laughs> and breathing against the window. <laughs> Wait for right. it to come out. Thank you, Richie okay, Bristol. Bye. All right. Uh, let's do one more, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back with more news. A guard at an observation tower shot an inmate trying to break up a brawl involving 100 prisoners in the yard at the Snake River Prison. The inmate's name and condition have not yet been released. Three other inmates were taken to the hospital with injuries sustained in a melee and involved 120 inmates. Nobody knows uh, what started the fight, but between 200 and 400 inmates are typically in the prison yard during a recreation period. Staff members have the authority to shoot if needed to stop the violence. Shots have been fired before, but this is the first time an inmate has ever been struck. 
The medium security prison near the Idaho state line opened back in August of 1991. Almost has 3,000 prisoners. So uh, somebody got shot. All right, let's take a break here. We'll come back more from Tim Riley around the corner. Uh, later on, James Rue, Peter Carlin, the top five and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, top five, uh, Jim Roop, and uh, more about Rick Emerson Listener Party 11, which is happening Thursday, May 15th, 8 p.m. at the Crystal Ballroom, uh, featuring as its centerpiece uh, the Rick Emerson Roast. And we, so we had to figure out uh, by the end of this week, uh, we have to come up with a name for it, uh, and then we'll, uh, I don't know, try to crank out some artwork. Somebody sent us a great, some guy uh, went to the trouble of already coming up with a name, and then he sent us the accompanying graphic, which is really good. The one that I showed you? Yeah. Yeah, that's um, really good. Uh, I, I won't post the graphic quite yet. You know, we'll, we'll wait and see, because if we don't use it for this, we might, we'll have to use that for something. Uh, but he suggested World War E as opposed to World War Z. And then the logo he sent us is really good. It's a knockoff of the World War Z book cover. Oh, it's amazing. Which is fantastic. So, uh, At the Ministry of Truth, here's Tim Riley. Well, you better watch out what you do to your kids' moms who grow pot in the house. An angry teenager has turned his mom in for growing pot. This happened in North Kitsap, Washington. A 14-year-old boy upset that mom threatened to send him to military school turned her in for growing pot. A Kitsap County judge went to the residence and... Well, they found Mom growing marijuana. At the house, the boy told the deputy he was angry that Mom was trying to send him away. So he decided to tell on her. At first, the 34-year-old woman says she only smoked marijuana and declined to let the deputy search the house. But in her closet, they found ten small marijuana plants. She told the deputy it's tough to get your son to respect authority when he knows that she breaks the law growing pot. Do you think? All right. Well done. She wasn't arrested, though. Uh, we have, uh, this here, I'm looking at the screen, um, let's see, this is, we have, one of the calls here is clarifying that teen challenge thing, uh, as part of which apparently it included a beating that that woman received, and then yeah. somebody else says here, found a dead body. Richie, what, what does he mean? Oh, that's in Milwaukee. I already saw that. But it's a dead body in Milwaukee. Well, but apparently the person here is claiming they found the dead body. All right. Well, maybe I'm so. Well, okay, hold on. Let's. Uh... Hi, uh, Rick Emerson Show. Who's this? Uh, this is Travis. Hi, Travis. How are uh, you? Hey, what, is uh, it, what, is, what do you mean you found a dead body? Uh, I didn't find a dead body in Milwaukee. Uh, this is going back to that uh, news story Tim read about uh, the parking attendant at the uh, airport. I used to have that job and uh, saw some pretty, uh, pretty cool stuff. Uh, I used to work the graveyard shift. So to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I worked, I worked late at night and about two in the, three in the morning, uh, one night about four years ago, uh, we found a guy who shot himself up on the top floor of the parking garage. Oh, that's gotta be fun. All right. Yeah. Why would you, why get a parking garage at the airport? I mean, really, what is the, what, what is the uh, appeal of that? What is the allure of that locale? Well, you know, the only thing I can think of is 
it, it came the, the last flight into Portland is the flight from Vegas, and uh, the guy was wearing a suit, and uh, maybe it incurred some incurred some losses. Yeah, that's 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 what I thought, but you know I don't know how the investigation went. You know I was just pissed I had to stay four extra hours to answer <laughs> questions to the police. There's all this scrubbing that needed done. Uh, well, yeah, uh, yeah that, that's about it though. Well, well thank and, you, sir. Del Taco sucks. Hey, hey, you you watch your mouth. <laughs> the Del Taco sucks. Oh, that's see. Why do you gotta hate? I mean, I'm not saying it's like gourmet, but I mean, really, in terms of your fast food. Rick, it's a taco shop. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. In terms of your fast food uh, taco, I for me, I'm saying for me, Del Taco's right at the. That's the peak. That's right at the pinnacle. Del Taco, the home of Macho Nachos, sir. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Everything there now is macho, by the way. It used to, Macho Nachos used to be the only macho item in the menu. I think they must have done some focus grouping, and they have found out that the term macho boosts sales somehow, because there are now macho tacos, macho nachos, macho quesadilla, macho fries, and then they have, I swear to you, a Del Taco rewards card with which you can earn macho money. Um, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, this is Rebecca. Hello. Hi. I was calling about the teen challenge that you were talking about earlier with the guy that beat up that woman. Well, there was some woman who hired a homeless guy during teen challenge week, and he was, A, not a teen. He was 39, and then, B, I think he savagely beat her. Well, I know there's a thing called teen challenge, and it's to get people off of drugs, men off of drugs, just for guys for whatever reason. And they have a thrift store called Teen Challenge, and that money goes to support this program. And those guys go around doing yard work and doing car washes. So I don't know if that has something to do with it. So he might have been raising money for teenagers somehow. Yeah, for the Teenage Teen Challenge program I mean, that they when, have. When he wasn't busy strangling homeowners. I'm sure that, you know, he wasn't doing good like these people try to do. But you <laughs> no, gotta think that was not too. doing good. That no, is no. correct. No, you are accu that is an accurate assessment, Rebecca. And one thing, too, Teen Challenge is right next to Fantasy Video, so... That kind of, <laughs> I think when they're done with prayer, they go next door and do so some more praying. It's sort of a, a sin and salvation thing all in one block. Exactly. All right, excellent. Thank you. Thanks. All right, there you go. Here's Tim Riley. Well, Hollywood actor George Clooney has instigated a police investigation after a mysterious caller reportedly warned him to break up with his girlfriend, Sarah Larson. The star received a voicemail from an unknown uh, member urging him to end his relationship with Larson. A calm male voice is heard to say, Dude, your friends asked me to give you a message. Dump the bitch before you're sorry. He's convinced the message is not a joke perpetrated by one of his friends. It's not a prank. None of my friends would do it. Speaking of crazy stalkers, Anderson Cooper has a problem. He's telling uh, Kelly Ripper that uh, somebody showed up on his doorstep with suitcases ready to move in. <laughs> Pop me up. I, I'm, that, um, I get a call. I'm renovating my apartment. And I get a call from my contractor who tells me that uh, this woman has shown up with six bags ready to move in. And it turns out it's this lady who has been, uh, I don't know if stalking is the right word exactly, but emailing me aggressively for the last two years, maybe. No kidding. Yeah, and today she showed up to move into my apartment. <gasps> <laughs> so, 
That's kind of creepy. So now, is she, wait, is she there now? Should we get a camera and go there? Uh, no, uh, he told her apparently to leave, which was good thinking, because, hey. uh, you know, I... Fast on his feet. He's fast on his feet. So I don't know. Yeah, I honestly don't know where she is right now. Last we heard, she told uh, the, the contractor that she was going to head over to CNN's. Is that true? Yeah. She's going to CNN. Yeah. Okay, great. She doesn't know you're here. Yeah. Thank God. Do you know? Boy, Kelly, Rip Kelly Ripper's really smart. Um, yeah. He's like way calmer than I would be about that. I mean, he's. Uh, yeah, I wonder if that's the kind of calm that comes from having a mom who could probably have that person killed. And I mean, I'm sure she's already been relocated. <laughs> that's the. Um, that woman is already in several bags floating in the sea somewhere. So that's the. Uh, that is the sort of uh, calm, uh, relaxed laughter that comes from someone who doesn't really have to worry about that anymore. All right. Dateline Ardmore, Oklahoma. Pizza plans. Uh, pizza pans are flying out the door of the local pizza hut. You see, Ardmore police say workers at the pizzeria arrived for work and discovered every pizza pan was stolen. While workers borrowed pans to prepare pizza for the day, police checked out a local scrap metal shop and determined one business paid $17 for 30 aluminum pizza pans. That led to the arrest of Jody Wayne Gwynn, who's being held at Clark County Correction Detention Center on complaints of embezzlement and disposing of personal property. You really do realize we're moving toward a time in American culture where nothing can be made out of metal. Oh. Every single thing on Earth is going to have to be made out of plastic. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Is it me? Yes, it is, sir. Hey, I just caught the, the tail end of the Adam Carolla Show this morning. They were talking about a man who's uh, in love and having a baby with his uh, adult daughter. You guys hear about that? Them? Yeah, I did. Do we have that story somewhere? No, we, we have it somewhere. All right. Uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be getting to that uh, later on, my friend. All right, cool, thanks. Thank you. All right. Yeah, some southern state. Rick, <laughs> really? Yeah. Rick, I heard some sort of incest discussion on Adam Carolla, and I'd now like for it to happen on your show as well. All right. Yeah, I saw it. It's, uh, right, we'll make that a hit of the heat later yeah, on. All right. right. Point. A 28-year-old woman from Orange County, Florida, stabbed her husband during a fight that sparked over having hot dogs for dinner. That's Orange County where? Florida. Okay, my, that was totally my mouse. It didn't even fire that time. I pressed the button and nothing happened. All right, fine. Well, officers said Alfreda Van Bladel. <laughs> that's, she's a lady. That, that's the best name of the day. Alfreda, Alfreda Van, Van Bladel <laughs> had prepared dinner for her husband, Anton, which consisted of hot dogs. At some point, the husband snatched the plate of hot dogs from his wife's hands. They actually prompted the woman to stab her husband in the shoulder with a steak knife. <laughs> Antoine Van Bladel then allegedly grabbed a handgun and pointed it at his wife's head and said, I'm going to kill you. Both Love. the knife and the handgun were uh, recovered. Husband and wife charged with several charges in connection with the incident, including aggravated battery and assault. No word yet on who ate the hot dog. Alfreda Van Bladel. Mm -hmm. That's the best thing. All right, excellent. Uh, then, uh, Felina Spleens and her son <laughs> have been arrested for burglary. Are you just effing with me? Are you, are these, are you, just, are you just making these names up? Exhaustive research goes Felina into the preparation Spleen. of every newscast. Is Felina Spleens like a, like a medical version of Savannah Smiles? <laughs> that is Felina, wow. Felina Spleens and her son. <laughs> Have an arrested for burglary of an occupied structure and petite theft. Felina <laughs> spleens. But uh, the charge is petite theft. We're stealing food from a church. Uh, deputies saw two people in a churchyard and both people carrying boxes. They discovered the boxes contained frozen food belonging to the First Free Will Baptist Church. 
The food was taken from a freezer on church property. Felina Spleens was taken to the <laughs> Orient Road Jail and later released on bond. Her son has been taken to a juvenile assessment the center. The Orient Road Jail? Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, police say a Lakeland, Florida man has been arrested for punching a horse in the rear end. The Tampa Police Department says Carl Coward... That's Carl Coward. I know, I know. I'm just, I, I'm back. Am I giving too much material? No, I'm just still. I'm still. <laughs> nice accenting of the uh, of the word, though. I no, I'm still back on Felina Spleens. I just can't get past that. What's your name, Luella Plarch? I'm sorry. That's all right. So anyway, Carl Coward uh, bailed his fist and punched the horse in the rear end as the officer and the horse were clearing an area of Uber City at 3:15 a.m. Sunday. <laughs> So he shouldn't be out that late in the first place. They say Coward is charged with offenses against police animals and has been released on $500 bond, which is a lot of money, I guess. Uh, officers don't know whether or not the horse has been injured. By the way, here's somebody defending a Del Taco. Rick, Del Taco is the best. I recently discovered Del Taco while visiting a friend in Gresham. Uh, <laughs> this is... Um, take me up to... Take me up to you someplace fancy. <laughs> this was about two months ago. And then all caps, I am addicted. Uh, it is the best. I love their big fat chicken tacos. I don't think I could bring myself, by the way, however good Del Taco may be, and it's fantastic, to order something called the big fat. I just don't know that I could get, I mean, you know what I mean? I would think you'd fully embrace that. I mean, I did it the one time, but I don't think that I could just on a, I don't think on a regular basis I could be going, in. Hey, I'll take another one of them big fats. Um, says the best thing that I, I work in Vancouver and I uh, used to laugh when I drove by Del Taco thinking it was a Taco Bell wannabe. Now I stop in nearly every time. All right. Good for you. All right. Excellent. Congratulations. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, a diaper-wearing monkey has run amok on the streets of Orlando, Florida. Is this a monkey watch? Well, kind of. All right. Here's your... Uh, monkey watch. It's a monk short story. A monkey Your monkey watch for... Uh, whatever, the, whatever the hell the day is. Monday. I feel loopy today. God damn, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm on drugs. I really Actually, do. my Claritin now is making me feel better. Really? I feel a little clearer, yeah. Right. But it took like two hours. Yeah, I feel all dopey today. All right, here's your monkey watch from Florida. In Orlando, a diaper-wearing monkey has run amok on the streets of Orlando, chasing and jumping on residents after it escaped its home. I wanted to take him home as a pet after he kind of growled at me and chased me down the street. <laughs> but it's just not the kind of monkey I want to deal with, says victim Rommel Gray. Uh, Rommel said the escaped monkey was reported to authorities after it was spotted by drivers running loose on the streets. He came to me and jumped on my back. <laughs> so I tried to cage him, and then animal control put a loop around his neck and contained him, said uh, Beverly. The monkey's owner uh, did not have a monkey license and uh, was on a work-related trip. The animal's in custody of Fish and Wildlife Authority. You no, know, maybe when something is jumping on your back and attacking your daughter, that's nature's way of saying, don't adopt me as a pet, huh? What do you think? I think so. All right, there you go. Uh, from the mailbag, more plant pantry mail. Uh, let's see. This is from Jim. There may be no hot chicks at the plaid, but they are filled with hot alternative boys, and I hooked up with two in Woodstock. There's someone named Jim. So apparently, <laughs> well done, Jim. Good job, Jim. Look at you, player. All right. Uh, the plaid pantry does seem to have. How shall I put this? There does seem to be a couple types. Uh, that Plaid Pantry hires. I don't mean to be singling out Plaid Pantry, by the way, but we should say that we are big fans of Plaid Pantry. Uh, I spend, I mean, I really ought to just have my paycheck sent right there because I really do spend an inordinate amount of money at that Plaid Pantry across the street. 
But um, and boy, did those guys know what they were doing by putting a plant pantry across the street from a radio station? I mean, they that is you know what it is that's knowing. There used audience. to be multiple radio stations when we were there before. That's right, because uh, KOTK used to be right next door. Fisher was so that's that really is uh, that is knowing where your uh, where your target demo lives. Um, but the plant in my neighborhood, it's all just metal dudes. Uh, I walk in and it's, it's just, they're all sitting there. What are you listening to? I'm listening to the newest CD by Gorguts, you know, or whatever. Just some, just the flesh eaters, uh, and th- just these these huge uh, tattooed scary guys behind the counter with like big chunky weird things sticking out of their ears. Uh, look like they're about ready just to beat somebody to death with a lead filled sap. So. That's all the plaid pantry guys in my neighborhood. Uh, across the street, they do kind of. It, it does seem like they're kind of honing in on a certain type of girl uh, that works there. Um, and so apparently in Woodstock, it's nothing but hot alternative boys. Says Jim, who apparently is you know just strip mining the plaid pantry of all its hot guys. So well done, Jim. Good job, Jim. Good job. Come on, Jim. Here's Tim Riley. Okay, let's do this hick watch and get it over with. Here's your hick watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson Show. Believe it or not, this doesn't come from America. It comes from Australia. South Australia, as a matter of fact, so one of the southern Austrian states. John Dees and his daughter Jenny have been sentenced to three years good behavior in order to discontinue their sexual relationship. Uh. Mm -hmm. They began sleeping together weeks after being... Reunited after a 30-year separation. Now, wait, is this the same story we had? Wasn't there sort of story last year Maybe. about... Uh, I can't keep track of all of them. <laughs> this incest gets difficult to keep track of. I need some sort of an incest scorecard. Um, wasn't there some story last year, but maybe it was in Britain, about a a father and daughter that were sort of separated when she was born, and then they just by by chance started... Sh- they, they ran into each other like 20 years later and started shacking up and having sex, and then they discovered... It was twins. Was it, oh no, it was a twin brother and yes. sister. Was that it? Yes. Okay, so it was it was a brother and sister that were doing that. So this is different. connected by the hair. Yes. So they began sleeping together. Also the genitals. Reunited. The relationship has produced two children. The first uh, one died of congenital heart disease uh, within days of birth, and the second, nine-month-old Celeste, seems healthy so far. Uh, Mrs. Deves has two offspring from a former relationship. According to a U.S. psychologist, this is a case of genetic sexual attraction, a phenomenon which is uh, reportedly more common than most people realize. The pair are being monitored by police. Wait, so, but did they know that they were related? Apparently so. I'm, so I'm unclear. Well, because she said that they, they tracked, she tracked him down or something over the years. So they were separated. Oh, okay, so they didn't run into each other and then somehow, like, figure out after the fact. Well, they're known in Australia as incest couple John and Jenny. But, I mean... So, in other words, but when they first met, did she know they were related? Let's see here. Or or was it that they ran into each other in a bar and got to know each other or were dating or something and then discovered that they were related? This is a very long story here. <laughs> we don't like stories that are... I don't like things that are lengthy. I like things that are four sentences. Uh, Mrs. Deeves said the physical relationship with her father was like a sexual relationship with any other man. Mr. Deves said the sexual relationship was, quote, absolutely fantastic. Oh. <laughs> the best best I've ever had. Uh, so uh, let me uh, let me look back here. The pair were reunited 30 years after Mr. Deves separated from Jenny's mother. Jenny was 31 and just two weeks. And just two weeks after meeting. What is that? 
I'm sorry. There's an. I think that key off lights going yeah, off. There's an off-air alarm ringing somewhere. All right, it's not us now. We're still broadcasting. All yep. Right. No, we're still back. We're still on the air. All right. Uh, so where was I? I have no idea. Well, we're talking about this uh, couple. They reunited 30 years after Mr. Deeb separated from Jenny's mother. Jenny was 31 and just two weeks after meeting father and daughter. Uh, did the nasty. <laughs> uh, John and I are in this uh, relationship as consenting adults with Mr. Deeves. We're just asking for a little bit of respect and understanding. Uh-huh. Well, that doesn't seem to be very much. Yeah, that's not, that doesn't seem to be working out, though. So we don't know how they uh, they found each other again. Maybe Craigslist or something like that. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. Uh, There's no, your, that's enough. Here's your, <laughs> your hickwash. We're going to move on. On KCMD Portland. Tim just showed me a photograph. Of them? Of them. Why? Well, I, I think that's the best each other can do anyway. <laughs> that's really... <laughs> that is so wrong. Uh, all right, hold on. What are, what are their names? i got to look this up. Uh, they are uh, John and Jenny. John and Jenny Deeves? Deeves. Deeves. G-E-A-V-E-S. G-E-A-V-E-S. South Australian police are monitoring a father and daughter who've revealed they are a couple and have a child together. John and Jenny Deeves were reunited 30 years oh, after Mr. Deeves separated oh, really? from Jenny's mother. Down they told there. 60 Minutes they fell in love and now have a daughter together. Ah, uh, boy, he's, he needs to dress better, too. That golf shirt's not doing him any favors. Oh, my God. Well, he's already found what he's looking for anyway. <laughs> I guess that's true. I guess he's he's already found true love. Uh, all right, so I'm looking at this here. Um, the couple said they knew it was wrong, but emotions took over. John and I are in this relationship as consenting adults. That we are not harming each other. Or anyone else. <laughs> Along with nine-month-old Celeste, Jenny has two other children aged nine and 14. Uh, all right. That's Australian. They're way back in the outback. Uh, let's see here. So um, an Australian man and his daughter have asked for understanding after revealing on national TV that they have an incestuous relationship. See, but this is like the uh, the, 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 the Mr. Mom guy in Bend. Like, what? Just keep it, keep it to yourself, yeah. really, honestly. First of all, use a rubber. Don't have children. And just keep that to yourself. I don't wish to know about that. John D. 61 appeared on the TV show 60 Minutes. That must be the Australian 60 Minutes. Yes. With daughter Jenny and nine-month-old Celeste, to whom he is both father and grandfather. Last month, the judge banned them from having sex with each other and revealed that they had a previous child who had died. Um, they insist on the program they were normal intellectual adults and that, quote, let's wait for it, and they want to be treated just like everybody else. Um, let's see here. Um, when the couple met in 2000... Uh, they began a sexual relationship. Okay, so but they did know each other, or or they did know they were related. So I guess uh, she tracked him down. He left the family when he when when she was born. She tracked him down later. Knew he was the father, but then there were just sparks. So apparently. he abandoned her. Yeah, she didn't know where he was her entire life, and then she tracked him down only to have sex with him and have a she baby. Thought, How can I cement this relationship that's been faltering? I know I'll have sex with him. Yes, I can tell he's just an outstanding father figure to begin with. Me, Miss Deeds told 60 Minutes she began to see John as a man first and a father second. I was looking at him going, oh. He's not too bad. First of all, he is too bad. We're looking at a photo of him right now. Yeah. He's worse than you can possibly imagine. She said, like you might look at a man across the bar at a nightclub, she said. John and I are in this relationship as consenting adults. We're asking for a little respect and understanding. 
The couple each pleaded guilty to two charges of incest and are banned from having... Well, how, would, how do you even enforce that? How does one even enforce a ban against having sex? I don't know. That doesn't seem possible. It's Australia. I guess. It seems like there ought to be more to this. Oh, God. And here's the... Now, do you have the photograph of them holding the kid? Yeah, that's pretty gross. Jesus. There's no call for that. No, there isn't. All right. Well, whatever. Well, let's right. continue with American tastelessness from Texas. <laughs> About 200 women and children have been removed from a polygamous religious compound at a reclusive Texas ranch. Former polygamist wife Lori Allen says she feels sorry for all the children. These children have no education. They have been systematically and generationally controlled and manipulated, and every human right has been stripped away. Well, that's nitpicking. She feels that uh, all of those taken away are unfortunate. Wonderful people. They're just innocent people that have been victimized by this brutal, patriarchal, male-dominated, primitive religion that is just a hill of beans. Somebody has daddy issues, don't you think? So this is the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Sixty women left willingly last night. Uh, they removed 150 children earlier in the day. They're still searching for a 16-year-old believed to be inside the 16,000-acre ranch. Yeah, they are crazy, by the way. That's um, Warren Jeffs. Mm -hmm. uh, Warren Jeffs, who, he, by the way, if you want to know more about this guy, that John Krakauer book, Under the Banner of Heaven, is largely about him, about Warren Jeffs, who is uh, a nutcase who uh, believes that uh, you know Jesus sent him here to restore polygamy to the Mormon church because he thinks it's an apostasy that the Mormon church renounced polygamy, blah, 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 blah. But, of course, they're never, and I, you know, polygamy, I don't care about polygamy, it doesn't matter, whatever, but, but of course, they're never, they, they can never just sort of leave it at, we think we ought to have polygamy. It's always like, we ought to have polygamy, uh, you know, and sex with 12-year-olds. It's always some idea that Jesus not only wants polygamy, Jesus wants you to have sex with girls who, like, you know, are in second grade or something. So, anyway, so he's a nutcase, and I think there's a 200 uh, people or 200 women and children or something they pulled out of the 150 children, 60 women. So, there you go. That is so sad. So, anyway, it's Texas. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, meanwhile, Alaskans could soon be hit with a bigger fine if they don't do their part to keep moose out of the trash. If state natural resources officials have their way, moose in the Anchorage area in particular appear to be gotten into the habit of foraging through people's trash for food. Uh, moose aren't naturally inclined to eat out of garbage cans, but once they're around people enough, they're inclined to do so. Doesn't that, seem, doesn't that moose sound inaccurate? Doesn't that sound like it ought to be a different word? Moose? Yeah. Moose is a moose. What else would a moose be? I don't really know. Big animal with antlers? No, but I'm saying it doesn't... It's a minor a, a point. A moose? No, I'm just saying it seems like there ought to be some sort of plural of that. All right, I'm sorry. Go Mooses? Ahead. Maybe. I think we've taken this up before. Yes. Mooses. Well, anyway, uh, usually they don't eat out of garbage bags, but once they're around people enough, they will. Experts are also raising concerns about moose ingesting plastic bags and other garbage as they graze the city's traffic uh, trash cans. Fish and Game at the uh, Public Safety Committee called on the Alaska Supreme Court to raise the $100 fine for eating moose, or feeding moose, I should say, bears and other animals, to $300. The higher fine could uh, be put in place within a month. So that from Alaska. A woman in her 50s managed to get herself trapped in her own car's trunk while trying to leave the Funks Run Mall in New Hampshire. Uh, they got a dispatch from 911 saying there was a woman in the trunk. I get down here and I'm banging on the trunk and she starts yelling, said the officer. She says she has a hide key, find it, and let her out of the trunk. Uh, she was free from the trunk of her 1996 Red Ford Mustang moments later. The woman explained she decided to crawl over the seats by way of the trunk after the key wouldn't work on the driver's side door, but soon realized she wouldn't fit with and regretted being trapped. I don't understand anything about this story. How did she get in the trunk? She crawled in. She was going to push the seat in to gain access to the car. 
because apparently the key would not open the driver's side door. I don't understand. Where did you, where did she start? Outside the car? Outside the car. She put the key in and realized it did not work. Oh, oh, she was trying to go in to the in through the trunk. Right. All right. Okay. So she was trying to get into the car. Correct. The driver's side door doesn't open. She opens the trunk and it slams <laughs> shut. And then, then decides to pull down the seat, but the trunk slams shut behind her. Mm-hmm. Does your car have that thing, that hilarious um, glow in the dark thing, uh, on the inside of the trunk where it shows? The little diagram of how to free oneself from the trunk. I've never climbed in the trunk. No, no yeah, me either. No, my, my car, I think all cars made after, I think, 2000 or something, they have, uh, on the inside of the trunk, there's a glow-in-the-dark hand. And those things kind of freak me out a little bit, too, because then you start to think about why they're there. But my car trunk, if you open the trunk of my Ford, there is a glow-in-the-dark handle that, uh, you know, I guess presumably if one decides to hide in the trunk and then, the you know, is sealed inside like this woman. And then there's like a little three-part diagram on the handle about pull the handle, and then at the end it shows a, a happy figure with a big smile on its face, like running for freedom or whatever. It's, those things are, those are always sort of interesting and a little creepy because it, you do realize that at some point, uh, like, it's like when you see a safety mechanism that was put in place only because someone clearly uh, died doing whatever, like I remember working at, um, I remember working in a kitchen when I was a teenager, and you would go into the walk-in freezer, into that big walk-in cooler, and there would be, and the, the handle on the inside of the walk-in cooler was like a glow-in-the-dark handle, uh, because you realize that at some point somebody had decided to go in there and like huff some ready whip, and then had been sealed inside like Hoth style. So, all right, here's Tim Riley. Let's do a uh, double geek watch. Here's your double geek watch for uh, Monday on the Rick Emerson Show. <laughs> This high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar Dilemma, remember, you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... Now, just listen on there. There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. So I will read this, and somebody can try to figure out what it's about. This summer, on the Red Button Day, scientists will turn on the LHC, that's a Large Hadron Collider, and also open the grid that can send data online 10,000 times faster than current standards. Movies can be downloaded in five seconds. Scientists began developing the grid several years ago when they realized the jaw-dropping annual amount of info collected from LHC can't be stored locally. A small academic network had been in use by researchers to design drugs to fight malaria. I have no idea what this is about already. I know. I'm only at the second paragraph. Uh, The grid, according to the experts, will transmit holographic data, revolutionize business, and will lead to cloud computing where users store all data online. The LHC is expected to reveal secrets about the Higgs-Boson particle, which gives matter mass. <laughs> Twas Britlig and the slithly toves did gyre and gimbal in the wave. Um, okay, I'm less interested in what the story's about than I am in the process that led you to print this out and bring it in to read. Well, because <laughs> how is there, 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 are certain, there, there are certain areas that I met up with a kid, and I thought this might be one of them. You thought so that if I just throw it out there, you thought maybe someone could dissect every word and figure out exactly what I'm talking you about. It's the LCH. You thought it might make sense to somebody, and you didn't want to be left behind. You, you wanted like, to. 
You didn't. You didn't want to let your your non-understanding of the story get in the way of providing news that people might find interesting. Right. This isn't what I personally enjoy doing you or partaking. This is for everyone. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know what this is. You know what you're doing right now. This is the sort of talk radio equivalent of a music director. Uh, Desperately, like like picking a song to put on, not because he gets it or understands it, but because he thinks the target audience might want to hear it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They might want to hear that new song by Seether. I don't really understand it, but I'll put it in heavy rotation because I'm I'm led to believe that many people like it. Yeah, I don't understand anything about that story either. Maybe somebody will know. Maybe maybe you've made, maybe you've just made somebody very happy. But Tim. this is not going to start until Red Button Day. Uh huh. But I thought Red Buttons was dead. <laughs> That's okay. I'm still I'm still back on Felina Spleen and, Alf Part two. and Alfredo von Bladel. <laughs> well, those are you... the two best names we've ever had. Well, at least you enjoy some of my <laughs> I might. I'm, I don't strike a home run with everything. I, I might enjoy that story if I understood what the f you were talking about. I, I, I might I, too if I understood anything. Well, the program is not for me personally. <laughs> I don't understand who that story's for. I don't know. I don't, I don't know who the target for that story is. Well, Sarah, do you understand? I put it, it under the heading Geek Watch. <laughs> it seemed a lot because it had the phrase computer, and you didn't understand any. <laughs> is that it? <laughs> I had no idea. I heard the LCH and the something something. I have no idea. Well, if you know what I'm talking about, please call us now. <laughs> would you like? Would you like some sort of a simplified explanation? So Do we have anything to give away if anyone can figure it out? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> so if you understand anything about that story, what is the large Hayden Collider, <laughs> which will also open the grid? <laughs> it sounds dangerous. It does. <laughs> it does. It does sound like something that's going to let uh, giant malevolent spiders from another dimension into our world, though. Oh, man. All right. Well, there you go. But there have been comments on this. It says, your first sentence of the second paragraph needs cleaning. Scientists began developing the grid several when? Several what? Days? Weeks? Years? This is not meant as a slam or a slight. So, wait. So, not only are there people who understand the article, there are people who are actually clarifying points in the article on the message board. Right. And then the author writes back, sorry, I ran out of space and had to rewrite that paragraph, and those words got erased. So, apparently, there are some words erased on this story. <laughs> Somebody just went through and just took out random words to make it to make it fit. From but where, it didn't matter to me. I was going to read it anyway. <laughs> from from where does that story even originate? Uh, this comes from shortnews.com. Well, okay. And it's about the Hayden Collider. Yes. That's going to be turned on on Red Button Day. Mm -hmm. That's going to allow a CFH. Now there there are other titles up here that we can investigate further. For instance, data grid, uh, cloud computing, and grid computing. All right. Well, maybe this is somebody who wants to. Hello. Oh, somebody like to weigh in. <laughs> Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Would you like to explain the story to us? Um, well, I, I heard the beginning of it, and then I got out of my car. Um, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Let me understand this. So, based on the like the opening two sentences of the story and nothing else, you're now going to try to explain the whole thing to us. Right. <laughs> well, okay. Go ahead. Well, it sounds to me like. Well, I know what the Large Hadron Collider is. That is uh, a start. That, that's what they used to call an atom smasher. It's like a big underground circular tunnel where you send particles charging at each other at, like, the speed of light. And then when they hit each other, um, you know, you create new particles and fragments of uh, subatomic particles. And that's how they create stuff like antimatter and can I, things Can I like ask that. you, can we bottom line this? Can I ask you a question? This is all stuff that has no practical application, isn't it? Oh, yeah, what absolutely. Is anti, for what is antimatter used? 
What do you use Actually, antimatter um, for? They use it for uh, <laughs> uh, medical PET scans. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. So when I go to get my dog X-rayed, they're using, they're scanning him with antimatter. No, not, not X-rays. Uh, that's 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 different. But there's there's a certain medical test where they they send like a tiny, like tiny, tiny, ridiculously small amount of antimatter into your like into your brain, and the reaction it makes. <laughs> they're injecting my brain with antimatter. That I know, doesn't sound healthy in the slightest. It sounds very science fictiony, but it's such a small amount that all it does is uh, sort of create enough reactions that they can get a picture of. And, of... and also because the phrase antimatter. I mean, I'm not like a linguist or anything, but antimatter sounds like it just wouldn't be anything. Like, if yeah. I have a big box full of nothing, oh, it really no, is... Here we go. No, but I'm saying if, if, if matter is like, look, this... Okay, I got a legal pad here. That's, that's matter, right? So suddenly, if I throw the legal pad on the floor, what have I got in front of me? Antimatter, because there's nothing there. That's right. a all word it, I don't it, understand at all. Yeah, all it really means is that the... Uh, like, you know how an atom is made out of protons and electrons and sure. that sort of thing? All it means is that the charge... <laughs> Tim and I are both just nodding our heads automatically <laughs> as though we have any any idea what you're discussing. What if you went to a doctor, Tim, and he said, Tim, we're going to have to inject your brain with antimatter. Now, bite down on this rag. I mean, I'm going to run down the hallway after I swing the door. I'll be back in 10 minutes. I don't think I would trust a doctor who wanted to put antimatter into my body. Would you like a magazine while we do <laughs> I'm sorry. We're going to need to inject you with a quasar. Right. So, uh, electrons normally have uh, a negative charge, and in antimatter, uh -huh. they're not electrons; they're positrons, and they have a positive charge. And that's what the P in PET scan stands for. It's like positronic emission test or something. Oh, a PET scan. Like okay, I thought you meant like an actual, like for pets. That's what I thought. <laughs> 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 I'm sitting here really, honestly, this whole time when you were saying PET scans, I thought you meant like for dogs. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that was part of the problem. Boy, goddamn, we're dumb. Uh, all right. That's all right. I, I, I know all this stuff, and, uh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Bye now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, we agree. I thought he meant for, like, you Man, know, like a ask gerbil. Your, ask your vet for a <laughs> scan. I, I really had this image of my veterinarian injecting my dog with antimatter. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know he swallowed a small rubber ball. We're going to have to fill him full of antimatter. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I swear to God. See, Tim, there was comedy in that story. Well chosen. We were able to mine some humor out of that after all. <laughs> I just went over there, Tim. <laughs> Part two of the Geek Watch. <laughs> Go ahead. Stan Lee has set up three projects at Disney, which houses his production, Shingle Pow Entertainment. They're based on stories and ideas from the 85-year-old man behind Spider-Man and the Hulk. Nick Ratchet revolves around the experts of a private eye. The action-adventure project Blaze is being written by Gary Goldman. <laughs> Gary Goldman, not Gary Coleman. Uh, Tigress follows a woman who starts uh, getting tiger-like instincts. <laughs> okay, that's our geek watch. That's <laughs>
cutting the cord. By the sons of Warvan, I shall avenge you. Next. Ooh, loneliness and cheat figures are a dangerous mix. <laughs> okay. Um, let's just amuse ourselves with some phone calls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Is that me? Yes, it is. Rick, this is one of those things where the destination, the arrival is not going to be nearly as good as the desti- the, the trip. Yes. Uh-huh. Deep breaths. Deep breaths. The grid, as I understand it, is is like the internet on steroids. Uh-huh. So it's like, Back to that again. Sorry, man. It was so clearly explained before, but uh, the grid is like the internet on steroids. It's the next evolution in downloading and uploading information. Okay. Thank Happy you. Happy to help. Thanks. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. Jesus. Hi, Tim. That was a good choice of story. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> that Tim. That story was a small news acorn from which a mighty comedic oak grew. Oh, all right. Fantastic. The Oregon Lottery's new policy on use of office computers is among the strictest in state governments. The agency's 400 employees, 400 people work for the Oregon Lottery. Well, they're barred from going online for personal business. They can't check email, load music, or even post photos. As people spend most of their lives on computers and work longer and longer, employees in the public and private sector are trying to figure out the appropriate use for Internet. Uh, many private companies let workers bank, shop, read news, and send and receive personal email, but not at the Oregon Lottery Commission. Uh, some of those policies backfire, such as when employees view pornography or spend more time surfing than working. Uh, we're going to create a strict, restricted type of environment. It's not going to serve and retain employees. It'll make you feel unwelcome, lack and warmth, and be inflexible. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> They're bragging about this? And, and you've done that, so you started to think of dropping all your articles again. Right. You cannot view Internet. Be inflexible. No warm. Well, the lottery official, uh, Mary Lofton, said that the challenge will be to keep the computer system clear of corruption. Workers can use public terminals in the lunchroom during breaks if they want to conduct personal business. Uh, we're a security agency. Our, our integrity and our security are what this agency is about. The Oregon Department of Revenue also sharply limits online browsing. It took that stance after an employee infected a computer in 2006, and the agency had to inform 2,500 taxpayers that their private information may have been breached. At first, it was difficult. Uh, people were used to, during their breaks and on lunch hour, checking their email and having a certain amount of freedom. That does not, well, it doesn't happen anymore. Well, all right then. The I workplace is bleaker under the old policy. I can't remember the last time I worked somewhere where they curtailed my Internet usage. I don't, I'm trying to remember if I've ever worked in a place. Because I think since the dawn of the Internet era, I have only ever worked, I don't think I've had, I mean, I worked at a 7-Eleven at one point, but I think all of my jobs where they were Internet access were radio stations. So... I, I don't think any of us could ever function in a normal job anywhere because I think the first I think the first time I decided to like you know look at the two girls one cup video or something at work I think it would all end badly for me. Working in radio really does just completely uh, strip you of your ability to have any kind of normal job. I remember back in the days before computers, everybody waited for the weekly joke sheets that That's every true. every other jock and every other market was using. I remember subscribing to uh, the Bitman comedy service for the guy that I that I'd kind of produced like a a morning show uh, thing when I was working in Washington. And one of my gigs was to get to collate every morning. Uh, I had to get all of his prep sheets, all of his joke sheets, off the fax machine uh, and assemble them all together, uh, and then hi- go through and scan and uh, sort of highlight all the jokes that I thought would work well. And then hand the jokes to the morning guy. 
Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Please don't be talking about atom smashing. Good news, everyone. <laughs> Hello. I've been injecting antimatter into your bacon for three years. You're all about to die. That was really dumb. <laughs> yeah, that was a, not a good use of the public airwave, sir. No. All right. All right. Probably I'm works sh- with the Oregon Lottery Commission. I, That's I, what happens when they, they put <laughs> limitations on people. I feel really... You can't play on the Internet. I feel really yeah. fatigued from that whole bit. And I just feel all worn out. Hi, it's kinda, the, yeah, it makes me feel kind of icky. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how you doing, Rick? It's uh, Jim. I'm back from Vegas. Oh, excellent. Yes, hello. I told you I was going to stay downtown one night, and yes. you suggested the El Cortez. I'd ask you some questions about it. Yes. Unbelievable. Like a snapshot from the 1930s. Um, we ended up actually playing there because... The machines were so beautiful and old school. You know, you could actually drop a quarter in the machine and pull a handle and let the coins clank into the bin, which was, you know, you can't even find that on the strip in anymore. Most of so. the, uh, most of the casinos on the strip, yeah, there's no longer a handle on the slot machine. And I don't really play slots, but there's no, no handle on the machines. And then when you win, I don't know why they've done this. They... They have this new thing in most of the slot machines where if you win, it does not pay off in actual coins. Exactly. It just spits out this little this this slip like a, a receipt. Coupon. Yeah, yeah. That you take to the to the to the uh, to the cashier and she gives you money. But when of course part of the the real visceral thrill is when the cherries line up or whatever, and then it goes and it spits coins into the tray, which are all calc- yeah. you know, and the trays are designed to make that the really loud, cool coin sound. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. The organic the organic winning sound. The Love that. Has also has really low limit blackjack and crafts, which is good. Yeah, uh, we couldn't find any $1 tables, even at the El Cortez, which, again, was kind of disappointing. Yeah. Um, I was disappointed in the gift shop at the El Cortez, too. I couldn't find any tacky T-shirts with just this, you know, silkscreen logo. They've got a really cheesy... Are you sure? That's Because that's the thing, that because that's where I bought mine. Yeah, no, they didn't have any, you know, apparently there was a big run on them after you talked about them on the air. <laughs> yes, I, yes, I, everybody's yeah. trying to corner the market. Um, what They used to sell this great, uh, horrible keychain. That was, um, it was Jackie, uh, Jackie Gahane, which is the guy who founded the El Cortez. He was the owner. And it was his face on a $1 uh, chip. And and it was like in this horrible case that you would put as a keychain. And then I, I bought one the last time I was there, and it fell apart after like three days. So when we were there a couple of weeks ago, I went right to the gift shop, uh, and I did buy myself an, an El Cortez T-shirt. And it's like a black shirt, terrible, uh-huh. like, iron-on logo. And oh. the thing is, it's so badly done that it almost becomes hip because it looks like one of those uh, T-shirts that, like, the kids with the trucker hats wear that's, like, for a fake business. You yeah, know, it's like they sell for 40 bucks. Yeah, like Johnny's yeah. Fish Shack, you know, Omaha. Yeah. And yeah. it almost doesn't look like it's for a real business. It's so tacky. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So the first night, uh, the El Cortez and, of course, the Fremont Street Experience, up in the morning, up to the... Uh, Oh, the, the, the breakfast buffet that you suggested. Main Street Station. Main Street Station. Oh, phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, I had a slice of pizza. I had an omelet. I had all kinds of sausages, waffles, eggs, sausage. I, I couldn't eat all the rest of the day. And then the woman just comes by with the champagne. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we didn't get the champagne, but, you know, God, we got the biggest glass of orange juice I've ever seen, included in the six ninety five price. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the, every time I'm there, my whole goal is just to eat half a pound of bacon, and then everything yeah. else is just sort of, you know, everything oh, else yeah. is just a bonus. Yeah, and then and then on to the strip, and it was kind of amazing, but also kind of disappointing. Everything's changing, but, you know, did you notice that Civic Center and those, those two new buildings that are in the center of it that are going to be leaning? No. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You've got to go out and check that out, the Las Vegas. The Las Vegas Civic Center, right on Las Vegas Boulevard, two giant buildings like, you know, um, 
I don't mean to say World Trade Center, you know. But like scale. a tower of, tower of Pisa kind of a thing? Leaning. Each of them in a different direction. That's very creepy. cool stuff. That's very cool stuff. Well, I'll check cool. it out on Friday. They should yeah, totally. Oh, that's check right. Sarah's going to Vegas this Friday. I forgot about it. Uh, it's right. It's right. It, right across the street from the new Planet Hollywood, where there's a new, you know, giant shopping complex in there. Don't go shopping, but you know, it's right across the street from that. Can't miss it. Next door to Bellagio. It looks like there's been a giant construction accident just by the nature of the architecture. Yeah. It's, it's weird, but it's cool. Excellent. Um, awesome. Hey, one more quick thing, yes, something sir. that you just said before you picked up the line that Rick really kind of triggered a thought. I just read about two girls, one cop, about a week ago, and I went online to check it out on YouTube, uh-huh. and all I could get through were the reaction videos, and I decided, you know what, no, I don't want to watch And you know what's that. interesting is the actual original site, the Two Girls, One Cup site has actually been taken down. It's not there anymore. Yeah, so, thank God. I, don't, I, don't, I think that's one of those things like... Uh, better like left a, unseen. Yeah, I don't want to see that. I, I, I read the description, and that it just is over the top. Well, glad we could help, sir. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. All right, there you go. That guy's very enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. All right, fantastic. He made good use of his time. Too. He did, and you're going to Vegas this Friday, so um, I am. While you're there, uh, you yeah, we have to compile a list of things that I must be do. sure to walk through the Wynn Hotel. It is mind blowing. Okay. You will never feel more poor in your life. Uh, That's than how going I felt when I walked by Caesar's Pal- walked through Caesar's Palace. I saw these like little girls with their mom. You know, like these 14, yeah. 15 year old girls, like in Louis Vuitton, like picking up stuff. Like I want that one and that one. I'm like, yeah. oh god, this is depressing. I'm trying to make my sixty dollars last for you know four days. Trust me, I have to. Uh, having gone to Caesar's Palace, having gone through the Bellagio. No casino or hotel I have ever been in in my life prepared me for the win. I mean, it was it was unreal how just like plush that place is. Uh, you know, I just found out. So I'm going to that um, that Rockabilly car show, the Viva Las Vegas. Right. Uh, the Headcats playing. Oh, really? A With free show. Excellent. Yeah, so I get to see Lemmy again. I saw that I saw them last time they were in town, and it was an amazing show. I think that is probably the same show that our friend Jesse is playing at. His From band, Duke Joint uh, Gamblers. Duke Joint Gamblers. Awesome. I think uh, they're going to be there to come. Excellent. I'm so excited. It's just going to be all car shows, all like fun bands and stuff. Fantastic. Like interesting people watching. Be sure to get one of those drinks that you wear around your neck on a strap. I will. Didn't you say you were going to pay for it for I me? will. Uh, all right. Here's Tim Ryan. <laughs> I shall provide a receipt for you. Thank you. Well, listen to this. A Chinese hair salon has been shut down after charging $71,000 for holding two customers hostage and charging wildly excessive fees for haircuts. College students went to a haircut at the International Beauty Salon in the central province of Henan, expecting to pay $5.42, as advertised in the window. When the barbers were done, they were presented with a joint bill of $1,700. After borrowing from 16 people, the two were only able to come up with $9,800. And it wasn't until after 10 p.m. they were allowed to leave the salon. It is not the first time that the shop tried to cheat the customers. One was left with a bill of... Well, close to $20,000 last September. Uh, the shop was eventually shut down after nearly 100 local residents have plotted outside. <laughs> Let's do uh, one more here. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more news. Uh, top five girliest songs found on my MP3 player, uh, Jim Roop and so forth. Ten months before the nation flips to digital television, technology companies and TV broadcasters are fighting over the virtual remote with different ideas on what to use with what to do with the unused airways. Uh, apparently, Google and Microsoft and others are launching an advertising and lobbying blitz to convince Capitol Hill that these unoccupied channels or white spaces could be used for affordable high-speed internet service. All right, then we're already. This is like, this is like a super collider story we just had. I don't understand anything in this story either. So all these TV stations on these analog 
channels yes. have to vacate those frequencies. And so they're going to be empty. Empty. Okay. Up for grabs. And so the question is what, what to do with them. So people with money, of course, being Google and Microsoft, are suggesting the, the so-called white spaces be used for affordable high-speed Internet service, greatly benefiting the rural areas and the people in general. Okay. They could also be used for Blackberries, which you have. Uh, laptops and cell phones without interfering with over-the-air TV programming and wireless microphone systems. When you were when you were speaking down at me just now, when you said blackberries, which you have, you sounded for <laughs> all the world. You sounded for all the world like Ralph Bellamy in Trading Places, where he's explaining the commodities market to, right. to Eddie Murphy, and he's going, such as pork bellies used to make bacon that you have for breakfast, orange juice which you drink in a glass, and gold. Although, of course, gold is inedible like bacon or orange juice. So does that make sense? No. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, uh, um, the wow. wind. Wow, that's sorry. loud. Yeah, hi. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, the cool thing about the wind is the room because everything's remote control. Like the drapes, are the, they actually make the room so dark that you don't know if it's day or night. Fantastic. You know, I'm drawn. But then also the, the, the food. It has a sensor, like each box has a sensor. Oh, yeah, the, the, min the mini bar has like a motion sensor, yeah. So if you take the, like the box of chocolate-covered cherries off the tray, yeah. five seconds later, you get charged whether you eat them or not. <laughs> no, 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 this gets funny. A friend of mine was staying there with his kids, and the kids didn't eat anything. Like, they said, you cannot eat these things. The kids took everything on the tray off the tray. And, and oh, so then that it just shows up. Bendy. And, of course, you know, the mini bars are always really cheaply priced, too. That's always really inexpensive. Well, it's ridiculous. I mean, just like the win itself, the food is ridiculous. I mean, it's like cheese, imported dried cheese from France. And, yeah. And, you know, cherries that, I don't know, come from, picked by a monk, whatever. I, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> the best part is when you walk through uh, the wind, just the shopping area, and you realize that just one of the little tiny stores inside the Wynn shopping area is really, like, more elaborate and glamorous than, than like, everything in my neighborhood put together. So, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty mind-blowing place. It really is. Yeah. Excellent. All right, thank you. Yep. All right, there you go. Uh, let's take a break here. We'll come back. More news from Tim Riley. We're all going to try to get a handle on things during the break, I think. Um, still coming up, top five, James Roop and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. All right, I think my Claritin's finally kicking in. I'm slightly less fuzzy than I was earlier. I feel like that, too. It's taken a couple hours. I had this whole thing going from about uh, 12.45 to about 1.20. Just in time to be confronted with a story about particle physics. I had no idea what the hell I was doing or talking about. Everything in my head was just a big pile of mush. All right. I feel like I'm back in my game now. Ready to provide entertainment and comedy to the masses. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Serious head wounds are the result from an English muffin fight between roommates. Never underestimate the appeal of a toasted English muffin after a night of heavy boozing. An argument between friends over who ate the last English muffin ending with head wounds. <laughs> It all began with one of the roommates, a 23-year-old man, ventured to the kitchen for a snack. 
preferably one of those with delicious nooks and crannies, he discovered the muffin was gone. Fisticuffs ensued. He hurled a shot glass and hit his roommate, who's in his 20s, in the face. The roommate retaliated, smashing him over the head with a vodka bottle. Are you making this story up? No. Okay. So this is uh, the result of... Oh, this happened in England, of all places. Uh, well, they're always smashing each other with bottles. In the end, their friendship prevailed. Neither pressed charges, but there are no English muffins left. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, reeling from disappointing earnings in the last quarter and some layoffs at the corporate level, uh, local uh, CBS-owned and operated stations are laying off more people. TV News reports CBS News has made cuts to its editorial, technical operation, and bureaus. The total cut amounts to 1% of staff. On CBS local owned and operated station, the cuts were deep. 30 staffers let go in Boston. WBBM Chicago and WPIX San Francisco. All government of 17 people also hit KCNC Denver and KOVR Sacramento. CBS owns uh, 29 stations and 16 CBS affiliates. And Oh, they also own the uh, C&W network. Uh, oh, by the way, if you were, uh, and it, just as a final note about PET scans, apparently they will turn you into the hole because they are filled with, wait for it, gamma radiation. So, in case you were wondering about that, here's uh, Tim Riley. Uh, the organization behind the Oscars and the Los Angeles County of Museum and Art plans to hold a centennial tribute to a rare Hollywood legend. A night devoted to the life and films of Betty Davis is scheduled to be held May 1st at the Academy of Motion Pictures and Sciences at Samuel Goldwyn Theater in Los Angeles. The tribute will be hosted by Turner Classic Movie host Robert Osborne. He has the greatest job on TV. Among the uh, special guests scheduled to attend are Joan Leslie, Gina Rowlands, and Davis's son Michael Merrill. The strong-willed actress best known for her roles in such films as Jezebel, The Little Foxes, and All About Eve would have turned 100 over the weekend. She died in 1989. Uh, this email says, Rick, hey, that sound clip declaring you to be Entertainer of the Year three years running is great. It made me laugh this morning until I had coffee dripping out of my nose. Uh, he said, I've been a big fan since 98, and I believe this to be true. If I hadn't thought about this. If it weren't for the fact that your show actually hasn't been on the air for two years in a row right now, your show has actually just been on for a little over two years. Uh, but anyway, I wanted to say thanks, uh, blah, blah, blah. Maybe this. Thanks again to uh, Jason. I think that's what makes it funny. I well, we even, don't count the downtime. I hadn't even really so We didn't say three years in a row. No. Um, You're I'll, still entertaining during the downtime. I think we actually do say. Do you have that, uh, that uh, promo? Do you know what you named it? Uh, can you open, are you, uh, no. no. <laughs> I was just gonna, I was trying to block my way through it. I know, the cut number is it. No, I don't. Anyway, but there's, there's a, I've, so Buzz was kind enough to have uh, one of those produced, uh, where it says, Oregon's Entertainer of the Year. So of the Rick Emerson Show promos that are running now, there's like two of them that are tagged with that. But it says, you know, Entertainer of the Year, three years running, and I hadn't even really thought about the fact that three years ago we were actually off the air. So, uh, let's do, uh... Well, here's what we, where we are right now. Today's show is so weird. I really do feel like I'm, as they say in the uh, aircraft world, I'm flying on instruments. I get because my brain is just so fuzzy today. A because I slept kind of badly. B uh, because uh, I think everybody's got because I get the allergies. And then C, of course, I'm trying to compensate for the allergies by loading up on Claritin and caffeine, which is perhaps a bad idea. Um, so uh, here's what we've got. We've got Jim Rube coming up. We got the top five. And then I've got this weird email that I got over the weekend that I read to you guys. Uh, and you, I think Sarah was the one who said you felt, you thought that it was some sort of a setup, like it was kind of a gag. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Read it again, because we were kind of rushed before. Oh, did you say that the, that the jamming uh, guys were talking about us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good for them. All right. Always remember, 
<laughs> refer up, not down. Uh, so uh, we've got this. This I got this email over the weekend. I got this on Sunday. And I don't think I've ever gotten an email quite like this. And I, I promised the person who, whose identity is unknown to me uh, that I would keep some of the more, uh, I don't know, that I would leave some of the identifying uh, details out of the email. And I won't give their email address or anything. Uh, subject line of this email is, question, Rick, I know how busy you are, so I will keep this email brief. I love radio. He says, in fact, I love it so much I've devoted uh, the last several years of my life to it. After starting the bottom, I worked my way up the old-fashioned way, and now I have landed a full... And here's the thing. Is the email's not written as a gag. It doesn't read like a joke to me or like a goof or something. It says, I have worked my way up the old-fashioned way, and I have now landed a full-time gig as on-air talent for one of the top stations in Portland. However, I am not happy where I've landed and desperately want a change of scenery. I was not exposed to the Rick Emerson brand until your triumphant return in 2006, but I have fast become a loyal fan, and I would love the opportunity to join your team in whatever capacity possible. A lot of people would. And then he continues, are there any spots open either with AM970 or the other fine stations at CBS Radio? I realize jobs in this business are hard to come by, and I am prepared to take any opportunities that might be available, uh, i.e., uh, promotion, sales, marketing, PA, whatever. That seems kind of weird that he would keep this anonymous. And then he says at the end, I apologize for sending this via an anonymous email. As I said, I work for one of your current competitors and would hate to have word get back to my boss that I'm looking around. Signed, best show ever, an anonymous applicant. That just seems like a... Um... I say that's no way to apply for a job. That seems like an oxymoron, <laughs> an anonymous applicant. Really, honestly, I, it doesn't make any sense. Like, if he's writing the email, or she, whoever, like, you know. I don't know who it is, either. So is that supposed to pique your interest? I don't know. I wonder Well, if... after, after um, you gave me the email address, I've been doing a little investigating, and it looks like it is a guy. And, and I haven't I, been able to find anything. And again, I don't know anything else. I don't know anything about the person. And I will, you know, if I knew, I would, I guess, respect their desire that it's anonymous. And so I emailed back sort of vaguely and noncommittally. I said, I said, well, that's an interesting email. Uh, and I was, and I kind of gave the, the the generic sort of management answer. Well, there are always positions opening and filling, but it really depends. Where do you see yourself in ten years? Uh, and, and anyway, so they. Um, and what did they write back? They emailed back and they said, uh, let's see here. Um, in 10 years, I see myself living in Portland, uh, doing something that allows me creativity. Other than that, I don't know for sure. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Considering that, might there be. See, this is where it just becomes weird. So considering that, Rick, might there be a spot open at CBS Radio? Says this person who. I'm not trying to knock the, whoever it is that wrote the email. I'm just saying, as Tim noted. It have you? I mean, it's been so long since I've had to sort of apply for a job while being fully employed somewhere else. But I mean, I, I don't think one ever really hides the fact that one already has a gig, right? Correct. I mean, that's just. I mean, I guess maybe unless it's in your contract that you're not allowed to be looking for gigs elsewhere. In which case, presumably, you're, the only reason I think that you would apply for another job and ask to remain anonymous is that. It is if you're uh, if you somehow have a like a clause in your contract where you can't be applying for other jobs, in which case you just ought not to be applying for other jobs anyway. So anyway, so Sarah's whole speculation was that we were like being punked somehow uh, because of our whole thing about trying to Maybe. sneak the Obama song onto a competing radio station that somebody was trying to goof us. Maybe uh, I don't this. know. Well, no. except, uh, I just don't like like the way it's worded. They're saying I have a full-time position. They don't say on air. They don't say what they're doing. They don't, are they a full-time board up? I think they do say. Maybe on they're air. a GM for so a cluster. Now, 
Now have, uh, let's see, now has, uh, I now have a full-time gig as on-air talent for one of the top stations in Portland. However, I am not happy where I've landed and desperately want to change in scenery. So, I don't even know that there's like a, 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 anything really to do with this. It's there just really odd. has nothing to do with it because you, you've written back and forth twice. The person's not identifying themselves. They're just basically fishing to see if you have a job for them or not. As though, I mean, and there's no scenery down here. We can't even see what's going on outside. Like, and who knows? I mean, the, if they're from a competitor, then are, are you allowed to be giving out that information whether or not we're hiring? Well, it doesn't matter to me. Well, I mean, you know, CBS is always hiring, Sarah. We're always on the lookout for sharp talent. Mm-hmm. So... I don't, it's just, uh, uh, yeah, so whoever whoever uh, that is, that if you are, in fact, uh, you know, some person working at some competing radio station. I was thinking for eager beavers. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, so, uh, I don't know, I don't. I realize it. now, having having read it, that I really have no, I, I wouldn't even really know how to respond to it. I don't think I've ever gotten an email like that. Uh, where someone claims to be, uh, per, you know, already employed in radio, but but declines to identify themselves. So I'm not really sure that I've ever received anything like that. Nor would I even know how to proceed. Would somebody be recording this right now to play back on air later? Well, that's what Sarah's speculation was. Uh-huh. Is that Sarah's speculation is that it was somebody who heard us doing the "Can We Get the Obama Song" on a radio station, and their whole thing is, I wonder if I can get Rick Emerson to respond to my, you know, my fake job application. Well, so, that was it. Success, sir. Well, yeah, really. What, job well done. Take a bow. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. We'll do some news hey, here. Hey, Rick, thanks for taking your call, or my call. Let's um, here, Hold on. Let's start again. Hi, Rick okay. Emerson Show. Rick, thanks for taking my call. Uh-huh. Um, hey, I think that that email should be responded to by going, you know what, let's just delete this thing. Because, one, if he has a gig on air at a station town, he would give you some sort of a clue as to his knowledge of the radio business, like, hey, I'm working on air over at Intercom, but I don't like so-and-so. The win is, is amazing, but what's amazing about the win is that right behind the win, there's a second building that is identical to it, and up where it says win, you, I know you've seen the pictures, where it says win on the win, on the second building it says encore. Yeah. So that one is coming up. That one will be opening in the next few months, and then there are two more buildings like that to be built identical to the first, so there will be four of them. Yeah, they're really gorgeous. Thank you, sir. And by the way, when you're when you're outside the wind, too, check out the electronic billboard in front of the wind. It is the most, even the billboard is one of the most staggering things I've ever seen because the billboard has this incredibly high-resolution, like, like LCD display, and the billboard has, it is, it's actually a mechanical billboard, too, because it has three different sections that move as you're watching. It's sort of like puzzle pieces. It's just amazing. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, Glenn Stefani continues to smell like success. When there is an announcement that she's back in the studio with former band No Doubt, as well as helping her husband Gavin Rossdale work on a solo album, Women's Day Daily, or Women's Wear Daily, reports the pregnant Stefani is set to release a new line of fragrances. A perfume. Uh, she'll be featured in the new line by Cody and will be called the... Oh, my goodness, some Japanese word, lovers, inspired by the women's popular fashion in the area of Tokyo. She said the idea of getting to release five different fragrances was a fantasy, adding how fast the project has come together is inspirational to her. The fragrances will be named after Gwen and her four backup singers, Love, Angel, Music, and Baby. The doll-shaped bottles will be shaped like the quintet. The prices are expected to start at $25 each. You know, I don't understand... How or when this happened, 
But there was a time when I think we all kind of liked Gwen Stefani, maybe early on. And I liked her when I was like in ninth grade. See, and then now, I, I think speaking for everybody here, Gwen Stefani just kind of bugs me, but I don't understand exactly when the turn happened. I don't really know when that sort of changed. But well, she like, needed more payola behind her like Mariah Carey. That's an allegation, Tim. I'm sure that she got... I'm sure that that's unfounded, and she got where she is on her merits. Why you know? is it that nobody can name even two of her songs? <laughs> I don't know the I don't know the oh, answer, Tim. Owns any of those albums or singles? <laughs> Not one. <laughs> I, su- I suppose Not that that's we a good work point. in music radio would know. No, that. of course not. Maybe uh, maybe our anonymous emailer uh, knows. So yeah, what, I bet the anonymous emailer is some like douchey intern for uh, like the Playhouse. Do you suppose, because uh, it, it says... Um, it does sound like a setup. It I'm sounds like saying. a gag? Yeah, totally. All right. So what should my response be? Well, you should act super interested about hiring him on in the team. Yes, yes, yes. but I'll need your social security number first. <laughs> so, all right. So do you think I should... Say, well, I mean, because if, if it's them, maybe they're not on the air, right? Maybe they don't have the capacity well, to listen to us right now. Well, let's, let's go around the room. Do you think this is a goof, or do you think it's somebody uh, somebody real? I think Do you think someone, the, okay. the email is on the level? All right, so I think that it's either a goof or I think it's somebody who's um, overstating their overselling position. Overselling themselves. They are uh, perhaps e- exaggerating their current position in the Portland radio market. That's what I believe. All right. I Tim? believe it, I'm probably more so the latter. I think it's an exaggeration. You think that it's somebody who probably sincerely is looking for a job, mm-hmm. uh, but who is uh, exaggerating or overstating their current position. I believe someone who's legitimate would go through different channels than that. Tim, I know you put a you put a a, a premium on professionalism, I Tim do. Riley, and you believe I can tell from your tone of voice you believe this is the wrong way to go about looking for a job. Yes, All right. I just think it's kind of tacky. Yeah, hold on, let me uh, let's see if I can see if Susan's here. Because Susan just deals with people all day long. Good Ooh. afternoon. Hi, hello, <laughs> Dave Zinn. How are you? Hello. Hey, is Susan here? I thought you'd ask me that. Um, not sure. Here's her extension. Okay, thank you. Yeah, Susan just gets uh, just people constantly coming in, uh, trying to get hired on. This is Susan Rao, nah, marketing director for CBS Radio Portland. Please leave a message, and I will uh, call you. All right. She may be having lunch with that individual right now. Maybe. All right, so I'll put that over there, and we'll, uh, I don't know, we can compose some sort of a response later. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, uh, remember that bonehead that was uh, canned a few weeks ago because he said that he's the S? Yes. I bet you that's him. Probably not. I don't think he's employed anywhere now at all. So. Well, yes. you saw... He could be lying, you know, that is possible. And that you know, is, and I know that guy, that individual, he's really, I don't think he'd do something like no. that. Like he's a nice guy. No, and this seems a little too well put together. All right, thank you. Uh, everybody else is just weighing into this, Lars. Here's Tim Riley. Let's do a Britney watch. Is it 2 o'clock already? Yeah, almost. I know sometimes we say we've accomplished nothing. Really today, mm-hmm. flat out effing nothing has been accomplished. Here's your Britney watch for Monday.
So Kevin Federline has spent over $43,000 on Vegas hotels, dining and shopping between May 2007 and January of this year. According to documents filed by Federline's attorneys in his custody battle. The tab includes $1,445 for clothing at Gianni Versace, $3,863 at TAO Nightclub, and $3,008 at Hard Rock Beach Club. He appears determined not to be branded as a cheap tipper. At Score Strip Club, he dropped a cool $2,000 on a $365 meal bill. Wow. Uh, meanwhile, he has a company called... Gooseneck Productions, he spent $841,000 in 2007 uh, while earning $544,000, according to the documents. <laughs> well he, done. He had $74,000 in music production expenses, but earned only $9,000 <laughs> in income. Excellent. Oh. He also owes $343,000 in fees to his attorney. Uh, Spears pays him $15,000 a month in child support for two-year-old Sean Preston and one-year-old Jaden James. Her monthly su- uh, spousal support payments of $20,000 ended in November. So when does that uh, when does that conservatorship or, or whatever it is for is it June or something? Maybe June. Because I get the gut sense there's just not going to be anything interesting happening with that girl until mm-hmm. that whole thing. No, and Lindsay Lohan's all like in hiding. Like all those little starlets are just so boring now. I know. There's, and there's really been nobody who's come up to replace. Paris Hilton's boring. I don't. I haven't even thought about her. No, I think. I mean, they, they, everybody there is sort of over the hill. Their time has passed. Yep. Uh, and there's really been nobody else that is uh, that has stepped up to become mockworthy. So well, you can thank TMZ for burning out people really quick. It really is true that the life cycle of a starlet like that really is just about a third of what it used to be. So, all right. Uh, Brittany is taking advantage of the chance to bid on designer clothing. Well, I should say you can take advantage. Uh, she wore this on the last episode of the CBS comedy How I Met Your Mother. CBS and 20th Century Fox is sponsoring the online auction, which will benefit an environmental organization. Uh, items include an embroidered rusted dress and a juicy couture silk printed dress. Go to www.juicycoldsore.com. That's S E E N O N.com. Are you a go to Sinon? <laughs> go to Sinon.com. <laughs> uh, okay, we're done. But if the auction already ended on. It's been a while since we got When to is this, this story <laughs> from? This, uh, the auction ended on March 31st. <laughs> Excellent. Best day ever. Catching up on this backlog of stories. Jesus, today is just a waste. <laughs> today is really just a waste. Of, a waste of resources. Um, a couple of things. Rick, as evidenced by the last 45 minutes, I feel it would be best if a high to- uh, technology story would be accompanied by an expert who can explain the topic after Tim reads the story. While hilarious, it always ends with some guy calling in and trying to explain it, and I just end up more confused than before. It's like my grandpa trying to explain what's going wrong with his computer. Computer, It just gets garbled in the telly, and you end up thinking that they inject your dog with magic particles from Star Trek, which is exactly what we thought. We really thought that, like, you know, well, Rusty just doesn't seem to have any spark. And so we're thinking that they inject your dog with some sort of weird antimatter from Bruce Banner's laboratory. It sounded sensible, didn't it? It really did. Well, it fooled both you and I. Uh, Let's see. uh, Rick, when one had... This is about the the purported job applicant. 
Rick, when one has a full-time job but does not like their place of employment, it isn't odd to seek employment elsewhere. However, business, uh, business ethics dictate that you provide full disclosure to your potential employer about why you wish to move and to avoid getting fired from your current job, and I've done this, simply ask them not to contact your current employer. This email sounds like a wacky setup for a lame-ass radio bit, uh, something that the Playhouse folks might try. Uh, there you go. Well, fair enough. All right, so... I don't listen to that program, so I couldn't tell you offhand. I don't, I don't even know. when it, Is it a morning thing? I do. Well, it would almost have to be. Okay. I mean, given well, the fact they that they do the something on... called Ass Friday, doesn't it seem like it must be on in the morning? Yeah. What would the format of the station be? I, uh, well, today or, yeah. like, later? Well, anytime, really. Well, today they play music, Tim. Okay. That's, that's this week, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows what the future might hold? Um, anyway, uh, so... Well, okay, so what do I so do I just ignore the guy or do I just email back with like, well, look, friend. No, no, no. I think that you should um Should I string the person along? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Well so. then even and you if it turns out to be you know a, a gag. Well, not even a gag, even if it turns out to be a kid who's trying to oversell himself, like at right. least maybe you could help him to tell him the right this way to This is not the way to apply for exactly. a job. So maybe if if it is a real person, maybe you'll can you I, teach him a lesson. Can I tell you this okay, I'll admit something. Can I tell you this speaking of the wrong way to apply for a job? I um, I did. I don't think I've ever told anybody this. I actually did at one time when I was very, very young. I did apply for a job. Uh, that's the wrong way to put it. I pretended to be somebody else other than myself uh, to get through to a program director on the phone because there was a program director. I won't, I'm not even going to say where it was, um, but there was a program director who I was trying to, and I was, God, I was like 16 maybe. No, I, I must have been older than that. I must have been 17, I think. And there was a PD who I was uh, trying to get the attention of. And this really is the wrong wrong way to get somebody's attention. But there was a PD that I was trying to get the attention of when I was maybe 17. And I just, you know, and of course, you know, couldn't get him to, to answer, you know, my phone calls, couldn't get him to, to, to return my messages, whatever. And, and at one point, I called up and the receptionist answered the phone. And she said, hi, K, blah, blah, blah. And I said, uh, hi, is so-and-so in? And I said the name of the program director. And she said, oh, yeah, is this, you know, is this Jim Girdlestein? Or whatever. And I said, who? And she goes, oh, I'm sorry. You sounded just like the Columbia Records rep or whatever. She's like, you sound just like so-and-so, Jim Girdlestein. Who is this? And I said, oh, my name, my name is Rick. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. You know, he's not available right now. And clearly I just got shunted into the into the discard pile. Mm-hmm. So I, so what did I what did I do, though, like a moron? I literally waited like five minutes. And then I called back. Hi, this is Jim Girdlestein. I'm, I'm looking for blah, 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 the program director. And the, 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 the idiot woman somehow didn't even put it together. And she forwarded me right through to the PD. And he awesome. answered the phone. He goes, he goes, hey, Jim Girdlestein, what's up? And I, and of course, what did I immediately do? I go, hey, my name is not really Jim Girdlestein. My name is Rick, and I'm a, I'm a DJ, and I was really liking the work. And that was like the wrong thing to do. Like, yeah. I thought he would sort of admire me for my chutzpah. I thought, like in my head, I had this whole um, movie thing where he was going to go, well, kid, I like your style. I, I appreciate a real go-getter. Uh, and in, like in my brain, he was like chewing I'll on send a, my car for you. Yeah, he was like chewing on a stubby cigar. And in my head, you, you got real moxie, kid. How'd you like to start overnights tomorrow? That didn't happen. Uh-huh. Instead, I got the, I'm never. And that never happened. No, I got the wrong way to get a hold of me. Don't ever call back. I will never hire you. So. And dishonesty doesn't get you far in radio, I've come to realize. That's right. Uh, anonymous. Once you get anonymous. into it, though, it's okay. What's that? Once you get into the business. Oh, wow, here. totally. Once you're here, it's all about, uh, it's all about dishonesty. Tell Tell people nothing. <laughs> Take a break. Uh, we'll come back. Jim Roop around the corner and the top five girliest songs found on my MP3 player. Uh, like us at three, Don and Mike at seven. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. 
listening to AM 970. KCMD AM Portland Solid State Radio. the Rick Emerson radio program. With Sarah's congestion today, she sounds just like Winona Ryder in Reality Bites. Where's Ethan? Thought you'd like to know. Ha ha. Ah, uh, let's see. How about this? Our friend Rachel, who works upstairs, says, Hey, by the way, I have a million plastic forks that I stole from Baja Fresh. Do you guys want one? Yes, Thank you, Rachel. Please. The answer to that is always yes. Ah, uh, let's see here. Uh, well, we got others to get to. But, uh, all right, here's what's coming up. Like us at 3, Donna Mike at 7, for the end of the hour. Uh, we have today's uh, top five. Top five girliest songs to be found on my MP3 player. This, however, from Los Angeles. is CNN correspondent James Roof. Hello, sir. Woo-hoo. How was your weekend? It was groovy, man. Was it indeed groovy? It got a little hairy Saturday night after several vodka tonics. Charlton Heston decided to die. And, and wait, to, oh, you had to get on the clock. I had to, I had to deal with that one. <laughs> so, how did your, uh, how, how was your reporting? How did your report sound? Oh, they were wonderful. Really? Have you, um, let me ask you this. Do I think you, it was all one word. When you uh, have maybe been having a few adult beverages, some cocktails or libations, yeah. and suddenly you are pressed into service, do you think, is it a point of pride with you at this point that you can pass for sober if you have to? I, I honestly believe I do. Really? Is that? I mean, do you think that like? I think if you go to the website and download some of those some of those reports uh, right. that, that came around eleven o'clock later, I think you'll find. I'm going to do that right uh, now. That guy's pretty good. Hold on, here we go. Let's see, CNN radio. I had to close one eye to read it, but. Um. So what? What time was it? Saturday night that uh, that the news came out that Heston had died. Yes. All right. So uh, well, I mean, we were you know talking about him earlier. He's Tim Riley made a good observation, which is he is one of those guys that. As much as success as he had was, in a way, kind of born at the wrong time because he was born a little too late to be part of that golden era uh, with, like, the Clark Gables of the world. But he was born, I think, late enough that by the 70s he was viewed as sort of a relic. He didn't quite have that classic status. And so, you know, by by the mid to late 70s, he wasn't really doing a whole lot. He was just sort of sitting around. Um, it but, was weird. We were just talking about him Friday on our when we were talking Friday about the Omega Man. Oh, that's right, Remember that's that? right. I forgot we that's were having the first that discussion. Thing I thought about in my in my drunken stupor <laughs> when I had to start doing. We were just talking about it on Friday. All right, so I'm looking. Okay, I'm at CBS Radio where they say CBS Radio and KCMD keeping it real. Uh, where where would I look here? Uh, you should be at CNN Radio. I'm at CNNRadio.com. Um, you know, I don't know how to do that, man. I'm not an affiliate. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? I so, just load the gun. Let them fire it however they do. So so this is really just the death leading the, leading the dumb. Yeah, I don't know how to do any of that. All right. Well, let me uh, – while we're talking – well, see, now it's like a, now it's a quest, though. Now I, now I have to find it. Uh, let's see here. Uh, my options are all cut, U.S., international entertainment. I guess you go all cuts and then – All cuts. I, I'm guessing, man. You know, I don't know how you're going to find it. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go through all of this trouble, and you're not it's even going to sound drunk. That's the thing. I'm, I'm not. I'm going to sound as sober as a church mouth. All right. Everybody well, goes. in the meantime, anyway, but you can talk about a guy who, though, had just a, and really a staggering number of iconic roles uh, and moments within those roles. I mean, like, like you know, there's the uh, there's the Ben Hur chariot race. Yep. Uh, and there's the holding the staff over his head. Uh, so I mean, he, you know, uh, however, however, you know, he he was the last really. He, he was the last 
star of the epics. You know, those big, bigger-than-life, poorly-acted, overly-acted uh, epic films like The Ten Commandments right. and Ben-Hur. You know, uh, he he kind of helped usher those out. And then he wound up in a bunch of westerns and Planet of the Apes and sci-fi stuff, although Soylent Green was great, Omega Man was great. Um, he And I, I talked with him several times, and one of the my favorite meetings with him was he was at a post office to kick off some release of a stamp. Um, and and I, I walk in, there's a bunch of young reporters, they don't know who this guy is. He's just sitting in a corner in a folding chair. And I walk up to him and I said, uh, Mr. Heston, Hello, how Moses. are you? you know, thank you for, for being here. May I talk to you? He says, I'm just relaxing. Fantastic. <laughs> okay. I'll just leave you alone for a little while. Thank you. All right. I, I got I to gotta tell you right now, I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at CNN uh, for Saturday, and uh, I'm seeing a whole lot of nothing here. Yeah, it's going to be late in the evening. Well, all right. Let me, let me look. I, I guess I think they have Eastern time crap on it. I don't even know how they look. I don't even know how. See, I, I can't log into that, that affiliate website. Okay, I, sw- I swear to God, here's a whole thing about a Zamfir concert. Really? I'm, look- I'm looking right here. Here's an audio cut about Zamfir. All right, now i got to hear it. Let's see what this uh, see what this even is. So, um, you know, but it, it is also he Heston is also one of those guys who later in life all of his work did get a little bit overshadowed by all of his political activism. Yeah. Well, wow. Hell was that? <laughs> I swear to God, that's this cut that says Zamfir. I thought maybe the Olympic torch just got in there and the Tibetans were after you. Hold on, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play this one more time. The cut, this cut is labeled uh, Bush Zamfir slash concert. Uh, there is no further description uh, given. Let me just play this here. Bush Zamfir slash concert is the name of this cut from CNN. That's the Spike Jones with pan flutes. Well, that's a great... Well done with the Spike Jones reference. Zamfir and his city slickers. I have no... I don't understand this. In what context would this soundbite even make any sense? I don't... Dude, I don't know. I just worked for the place, man. <laughs> Jesus. I'm over here. They're over there. Okay, but I'm going to save this cut because I think it's fantastic. I mean, it's in, is this Zamfir at a Mexican rodeo or something? <laughs> One more time. Hold on. Okay, that's like the music that plays when I'm late for the show and everybody's running around like in, you know, like. In and they a, don't give you enough of that. No, no, it's like it's like our version of the Benny Hill music. <laughs> everybody's running around in double time, and I'm trying to get a cup of coffee, and Sarah's booking CNN, and Tim's pulling his news, and you know, R- Richie's getting his breakfast made, and we're all running around uh, like in fast forward in the moments before we uh, hit the air. You got to call that new guy Dan Simonis Wachkovich or whatever his name is. You got to call him and say you got to get me this whole cut. Hey, can I tell you by the way, speaking of Dan. Uh, did I tell you the thing we're doing with Lisa? No. So we're gonna we're gonna be passing along. We're gonna, because apparently we didn't we didn't know this was happening. But when we call Dan in the morning to book the CNN live shots, he sort of says like, "So how are things? How was you know Roop yesterday? How was Lisa yesterday?" And we would just sort of say, "Oh, you know." And I think at one point we said something about. Uh, we said something. She had weighed in about the movie Footloose at some point. We gotten onto the movie Footloose, and we had made mention of that to Dan. Just sort of, yeah, she was great. She had this great thing to say about Footloose, and it turns out that then when he spoke to her next, he like included that in his notes. He's like, by the way, KCMD Portland loves your Footloose references. So now we're going to be seeing if we can pass along some fake notes through him just to see if he'll convey them. Oh, 
that's beautiful. Yeah, just a. And By my, the way, Footloose, the best movie Sean Penn ever did. No, Reservoir Dogs, best movie Sean Penn ever did. You're thinking of Chris. I mean, Chris Penn. Penn. You're thinking of Chris. Chris, Chris Penn. Penn was in. Um, Chris Penn was in Reservoir Dogs. He was in. Uh, he was in Footloose, and he was also in. Jesus, was he in that movie? Uh, now we've just gone so completely far afield. Sorry, I, I'm sorry. Nothing we're doing today makes I'm any sorry, sense. I'm thinking of dead people, and I you know. Hold on, let me just leave you with this thought. Just doesn't make any That's sense Bob at all. Bob Constantini's new theme. Hey, by the way, how did that moratorium on killing go? Uh, within 18 hours, three people were dead. L.A. strikes by again. Noon, by noon Saturday, <laughs> three people were dead, and 12 other people victims of violence. And the, However, the organizer said, this was a real success. <laughs> of course. We got some great feedback from the young people of the community. <laughs> Did they really? Yeah, that's what they said. Uh, all right. Well, and the you odds... You spin anything, man. The odds makers take a beating. All right. Uh, I should apologize for this whole segment because all of us today have allergies and we're all high as a kite on medication. Oh. So there's really nothing on today's program that's successful or making sense to anybody. So, you know, so there you go. Well, that's kind of a daily thing with me, isn't it? I suppose. All right, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, Jim Roop. Thank you, brother. Hello. All right, bye. Oh, there's Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. Did you ever see uh, that movie Murder by Numbers? No. Oh, it's a really good movie, even though it stars uh, Sandra Bullock, but uh, Chris Penn was in that, too. Uh, Chris Penn, he's dead, right? Yep. He's one of those guys that died if he had, like, a... He was like a like a one of the, the cocaine overdose He's guys. He's dead indeed. All right, let's do this call. Then we'll break. We'll come back with Tim and the top five. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. It's you. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Donna Mike show airing 7 to 11 right here on AM 970. Uh, they will be doing a sort of a retrospective of Don's 20 years on the show. And then this coming Friday, the 11th, uh, they'll be doing Don Geronimo's final day on the show. And then on Monday, the 14th, it does become the Michael Mira program. So be listening for that. That is all this week on the Don and Mike show. All right. This next 32 minutes is going to be gold. This next 32 minutes is going to be the best broadcasting anybody's ever heard. Jesus. Really, today has been one of those shows where I feel like we would have been better served going back and just selling the last three and a half hours for infomercials. And really? playing a best of. Seriously, going back and just selling uh, everything from 11 until now to some guy who was hawking B12 I don't think it's been that terrible. I think we're all a little off kilter today. I think we are. I just, I don't feel like I'm, like I'm, I feel like Tim is serving up all of these uh, comedic softballs and I'm uh, hitting them right into the ground. That's what I feel like I'm doing. Everything has been like a first base hit today. Jesus. Let me read this email, then we'll do the news, then we have a top five. Is that another job applicant? No, uh, but you know what I'm going to do? Here's the thing. I'm going to email back today. I'm going to email back this person who claims to be, uh, what do they say? Uh, I now have a full-time gig as on-air talent for one of the top stations in Portland. Here's the thing that makes this quasi-plausible, is that, a, because Sarah immediately suspected that it was like uh, some nitwit morning show trying to do like a gag, like a like or not a, even like a morning show, just like a person in general, like some somebody trying to person as yeah. a goof. But it's like, what would even be the point of that? So I respond back and go, "Hey, all right, anonymous person, you know, you know, like I'm not even." Here's the other thing: 
I'm not even really sure. Let's assume for the moment that this is a real person who has anonymously inquired about job openings, and they are purportedly doing it anonymously because, again, they have a an on-air position with one of Portland's top radio stations, which just sounds fake on the face of it. But let's assume for the moment that it's real. Like, what does this person think the next logical step is? Like, how do they see this unfolding in a best-case scenario? Like, like he's going to earn your trust and... Like, what is it he thinks that I'm eventually going to do? Say, Maybe well, he thinks that you're going to be doing exactly what you are, which is inquiring about it, trying to figure out who it is, and then be so, you know, perplexed at who, at who this mysterious I demand person. you come in for a job interview today. Yeah. I, I demand that you come in now. Uh, so because you have intrigue, you have, because you are so compelling and mysterious. So, anyway, so I think what I'm going to do is... If anything, it's given us show fodder, regardless of well, <laughs> what well, it is. That's why I brought it in. Uh, but what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to respond back, and I'm going to say, here are the conclusions we have come to. Uh, we are divided. Uh, we think that, A, uh, this is either a wacky DJ stunt uh, or some other goof trying to kill time in his life, uh, in which case, you know, well done, ha-ha, you know, move on to Battle of the Sexes, or, B, uh, you are, in fact, a person who listens to the station who also works in Portland Radio who would like a job, in which case, uh, you know, you're just going to have to, like, man up and tell me who you are, and we'll either move forward at that point or not, and I won't tell anybody. If you if you really are a radio person, I just want, you know, I'm not going to tell wherever you're working now, and there you go. So, that so sounds anyway, good. so I will respond back today. The, the one thing that makes it plausible, and I think Tim noted this, is that, we really do have like a 90 share in terms of other people in Portland media uh, who listen to the radio. I mean, really, everybody who works in Portland media does seem to, to listen to this show from time to time. I mean, it does. There are moments when it seems like they just pipe this show directly into every newsroom and every other radio station uh, in the city. So that's the one thing that gives it some shred of believability. Anyway, so I'll, I'll uh, send that tonight. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Let me read this. And then uh, we'll uh, go to the uh, Ministry of Truth. Rick, this is about the Obama-Rama song. Rick, I'm a carpenter by trade. Today, this is a Saturday. Today, I called McCoy, Stair, and Millwork to get some pricing for an estimate. I asked for my usual salesman and got put on hold. OMFG, the on-hold music was your Obama song. I only got to hear a few seconds of it, so I have no idea where it was being played. This happened Saturday at around 9, 10 a.m. Best on-hold music ever. Mike. What? So the guy, but here's the thing, and I know it couldn't have just been a playback of the Air America thing, because because this happened, at, he said it happened at around 9, 10 a.m. If they were playing back the Tom Hartman show, because we suckered Tom Hartman uh, into, and note how that whole bit has made us immediately suspicious of the guy inquiring about a job. We assume everything is like a stupid DJ bit. Um, but if they were playing back, like, the best of Tom Hartman, so-called, uh, on the weekend, nice. I'm just saying it still would have been at 50 after the hour. Like, they wouldn't be starting it in the middle of the hour, in the middle of the show or something. Uh, they would still be, It still would have happened at 10 till, which is because I think when Tom Hartman played that song the first time, it was at 9.50 in the morning. So this is around 9.10, so it couldn't have just been a straight playback of his show. Anyway, so he said when they put me on hold, the, the hold music was the Obama song. I only got to hear a few seconds of it, so I have no idea where it was actually being played. So that's kind of intriguing. So I'm gonna actually, I might actually uh, call this company and just see what happens when I get put on hold, see if they play it. So I well, you could probably ask them where their music comes from. Oh, that's a good idea. Just call and say, what, what do you play when you're on hold? 
Anyway. Uh, all right. Here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, this will teach the little... You know what? The police were called out to a battleground Taco Bell after a group of bored teenagers was shooting up the air with pellet guns. They got a call from a man who said he was holding 14s at gunpoint after they shot him in his car. Uh, he put the gun away by the time the officers arrived. Two other customers told police they had been shot at. One of the teens was arrested for reckless endangerment and fourth-degree assault. But thank goodness for the armed citizen. I have only five words for you. From my cold, <laughs> dead hands. You know, it doesn't help the gun cause, by the way, that he sounds more than a little crazy uh, during that whole thing there. And he sounds like he's ready to kill somebody, like he's longing to do it. All right. Hey, kids, punk is dead. A boutique is opened up in the CBGBK case. Please. Uh, punk is dead. <laughs> this is the best day ever. How about a $1,600 leather jacket instead? The walls are still black and some aging graffiti remains, but the once dank Bowery home of the defunct rock club, CGBG, has gone upscale. <laughs> Let's go back to talking about atom smashing and pet scans. Fashion designer John Barreto's menswear boutique is open today in the same spot where bands like the Ramones and Blondie help spark a punk rebellion. The store echoes its past, but the price tag mirrors the times. Flyers of the 1970s are preserved behind glass on one wall, and the stage has been replaced by a tailor shop encased with Alice Cooper Records. Where? Some knit t-shirts retail for $130 each. Where is this at, Tim? This is the former... CBGBs. Well done. See, I wanted to let you get through it once. All right, fantastic. I'm all done. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to leave us. Putting a pin in it. Yes, don't leave us, Tim. You're the only one who's 100% today. <laughs> I don't we... know. One of my eyes is still bothering me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go around the room. Sarah, what well, I have, what, I have a real, I have a pain in my chest. I'm coughing. Well, I'm not really coughing. It's just like my chest hurts. Um, I can't breathe. And my eyes are watering. Tim? And I can't hear either. <laughs> One of my eyes is on the fritz. <laughs> on the fritz. Like you're a 1950s television. Yeah. Let's stick some aluminum foil on your head. Right. Um, uh, my throat is messed up. Uh, my eyes are watering. Uh, and I've got nasal congestion. At least you're, you can't hear your nasal congestion. No, no but you know, uh, I, I did not I'm sound I'm such a mouth breather. I can't breathe through my nose. Have you ever had your nose get all clogged up and you have no choice but to mouth breathe and then you just become hyper-conscious of it? That was with, I was with a friend yesterday and I was I was trying to eat, but I'm like, I'm sorry, I just have to say this. I can't breathe through my nose. So I'm going to have to chew with my mouth open. <laughs> and I just felt like I'm like, ugh, I'm eating. <laughs> now I'm just looking back in the previous two and a half hours today or three and a half hours, however long we've been here, just thinking about how I do the whole show differently. If I, You know what? You can't do that, so let's just move forward. If it was 11 a.m., oh, the things I do. Always. We'll just give Richie this 30 minutes to make a best of out of. <laughs> yeah, seriously, good luck Good luck pulling uh, an hour of solid material for tomorrow's recap, Richie. Have fun with that. Yes, Tim? Always forward motion. Let's not look back. Mm-hmm. Let's let's just, let's not acknowledge the last three and a half hours. Let's instead five, do this. Four, three, two, one, fire. Wonderful counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? Is that something you learned at radio camp? What's that? Always forward motion. 
I was, I was always told that. Yeah. yeah, you can't dwell. Oh, I can dwell into the spot set, <laughs> and always, and ne- always, uh, always talk over the uh, the ramp of the next record. Never the trail of the previous record. Correct. That's the other thing. And keep it typewrite and out of sight. Here's Tim Riley with today's top five. Music is a large, ever-shifting rainbow of colors and sounds. Songs of all stripes and varieties. And there is no sure proof of that. Don't look at songs. I only have one eye function. <laughs> it's your eye. Now that you spoke about it, it's getting worse. It is. My well, ears are getting worse. Let's look at the songs that might catch us by surprise. Such as these. The top five. Forward motion. The top five girliest songs on Rick Emerson's MP3 player. These are the top five girliest songs uh, that one would find on my MP3 player of choice. Beautiful Lice by Ace of Bass. <laughs> what? Beautiful Light by Ace of Bass. I hate Ace of Bass. I love this song, though. I don't really care for any of their other uh, material. I'm a big fan of this song. Though. You don't like I Saw the Sign, right? I don't like that, I nor do I like All She Wants is Another Baby. Oh, God. I do care for this song, though. I fancy this song. You're moving. I see you moving over there. I don't know what you're talking about. This is better than the other ones. Yeah, no, this is a great song. They never sounded more like ABBA than on this track right here. I'm not committing to great. I'm saying this isn't bad. It's a, it's a great song. Everybody now. Uh, oh. Come on. Are we supposed to sing with you? No, I guess not. <laughs> no, we're to sing with you. I don't know this. But let's all acknowledge how stunningly this does fit the criteria laid down by the top five description today. It is quite girly. This really is, this really is very girly. This sounds like, come on, Barbie, let's go party. It does. It does have that same... You know, Swedish pop songs or... I don't even know if Ace of Base... Is Ace of Base Swedish? I don't know. Why don't you just assume anything that sounds like this is from Sweden? Yeah, it's from Sweden. I mean, it all just kind of... Like, in my head, over in Europe, there's, like, France and Britain, and then everything else is just like a Finland, Iceland, Sweden, Norway sort of mishmash. Like, it's all just sort of one big... One big blob of wooden shoes and dance music. All right, counting down the top five girliest songs to be found on my MP3 player. Number five, Rice is Nice by the Lemon Pipers. This was their follow-up to Green Tambourine. Oh, I didn't know that. That's... I wouldn't believe her until I heard that line. Yeah. I, uh... Here's a fun fact. Why would you even know that? That little, like, zither thing in the background is really what sells it. And the harp? Yeah. Is that what that is? Is that a harp? Sounds like it. Here's a fun fact. The guitarist for this group, uh, the Lemon Pipers, he then became the guitarist for that group Black Betty, or that book of the Ram Jam, who sang the song Black Betty. Uh-huh. Bam, yeah, that's the same guitarist. So this guy uh, then played that Black Betty song. Um, Can I ask you something about the last song? Yeah. Was that not only, in fact, Ace of Bass, but was it actually the Dance Dance Revolution version of Ace of Bass? I don't know. Aaron, was it? Is that who emailed you about that? Was that Aaron who yes, inquired? Yes, yes. Yeah. 
Does it bother you that Aaron actually was able to spot it and then... Uh, no, because he's never hidden his love of Dance Dance Revolution. No. I, I, I the, didn't want you to miss that fact. I have the whole Dance Dance Revolution soundtrack at home. I'm unashamed of that. These are the top five girliest songs to be found on my MP3 player. Number four, Fidelity with uh, Regina Spectre. This reminds me of like every deodorant commercial I've ever heard. <laughs> okay, that's a great description. I hate all these little breathy girl singers. They're so obnoxious for some reason. Well, there's, there's, there's just so many of them right now. Uh, you know who else is like that? Is that that? Uh, what's her name? Feast Fife? Fife? Feist. She's totally like that. Where it's like it, she can't quite get her mouth to form the entire word, and so it all becomes. I mean, they're pretty voices, like nice, gentle la la, but. You know the well. Here's where like Re- Regina Spector comes from. The record record industries keep trying to find a way. They keep trying to find a mainstream Bjork. That's the thing. I mean, this is totally Bjork, but like for people who shop at the Gap. And I'm not. And I'm not making myself better than anybody. I own this, so I mean, clearly it worked. Um, they keep trying to find a, a Bjork that is palatable for the average American, and that's where songs like this come from. But you're right. It's like, the, like the singing style here is just so uh, thin that it almost seems not. It's like listening to cellophane. Totally. It does seem like it ought to be used to advertise something really white, though. And I love me, you know, some lady singers. I was just lamenting how much I loved Jewel yesterday. Yeah. This just doesn't do it for me. Um, are you a big fan of? Uh, are you a big fan of later era Jewel, or is it more just a uh, who will save your soul Jewel? I, you know, I, I, I have to say I'm not too knowledgeable about later era Jewel, but I like the, um, I like the, her radio hits. Yeah, what is that song? The, um, what is that one hit she had? Uh, it wasn't like Who Will Save Your Soul. It's the. Um, well, the one after, like My Hands Are Small, I know, but they're not yours. They are my own. I can't remember. Nerd. Uh, what was the, No, what was that song where she talked about like making breakfast? That Jewel song where she talks about cracking the eggs and making a smiley face. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, um, oh. Do I need to turn off the reduced yes. specter? Oh, that's crack the eggs and make a smiley oh, face. I, I kind of like it you. in my brand new. I, yeah. I was meant for you. All right. You know my brother owns that uh, like both collections of her poetry. I what's that album called? Is it Pieces of Me? Yes, it is. Pieces of You. Pieces of You. Yeah, I would listen to that in high school and paint to it. And I think I might do that today. All right. Okay. These are the top five girliest songs to be found on my MP3 player. Number three, Love and Affection by Nelson. You know this song. Oh, don't give me that disapproving look. You love this song. Put in love. Are these those two Nelsons? Yes, they are. The blonde twins. They are of the Ozzy and Harriet Nelsons. Oh, yeah, they had that long hair that made them look like Palominos. <laughs> yeah. Yes. They sort of look like grown-up rock versions of those girls in The Shining. I love this song. Who's this about? Anybody? Cindy Crawford. Oh. Is one or both of them dating her? No. This is one of those creepy songs, like, written to try to get a celebrity girl to do you. Kind of like how Matthew Sweet wrote that whole song called Winona. And the whole thing was like, maybe she won't find it creepy. Maybe she'll just come and F me. That never happens. I love this song. I don't care who knows it.
This is still a good song. You know, if somebody else remade this right now, if some sort of kind of Matchbox 20-like group redid this now, it would be a big hit all over again. You mark my words. Jonas yeah, Brothers, I'm talking song. to you. All right. Now down to the top five girliest songs found on Rick Emerson's MP3 player. Number two, Heaven by DJ Sammy. I don't know why I own this. Who's singing? Some girl. DJ Sammy. Some chick. I don't know. I don't know why I own this. This is one of those things. Why do you have all these like weird electronica like dancey songs? Is this another Dance Dance Revolution song, Rick? I can't say that it isn't. It's not where I got it from. I, uh... <laughs> you, ever, you ever look through your record collection, though, or on your MP3 player, and you're just like, why, why do I own this? What day, at what point in my life did I decide this is a thing I needed to download and own? No, it's one of the, I must download this now. Then after you listen to it halfway, why did I do that? <laughs> why did I pay 99 cents for this? At what point in my life did I decide I had to have this? Because my, my record collection was missing this incredibly bad Euro dance version of a Brian Adams song. This same guy-girl duo, they've also done Boys of Summer by Don Henley. And they did something else that didn't need to be redone. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know why. I, I feel like this is like terrible. It's just kind of not necessary. It's really the very definition of pointless, isn't it? Counting down the top five. Don't give me that look. I'm not giving you any look. You had that look like you were sort of puzzled and sad for me all at once. <laughs> I thought they said someone looks over there. They're sweating with a white beater on. <laughs> <laughs> As they're doing, they're dancing on with the Richard Simmons. <laughs> it's you had that. You had that look like when you see a child who's not that bright trying to put together a puzzle, and you just know it's not going to happen. Uh, all right, counting down the top five girliest songs found on my MP3 player. Number one, Tingalingalingalingaling by Love. This song is called Tingalingaling by Love. Tingalingaling. Which I think itself should put it in the number one slot by uh, by the band Love. 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 How do you spell Love? L-U-V. L-U-V is in love. It's spelled L-U-V. <laughs> Inexplicably. What's like the small world children in the background? Yeah. Unbelievably, it gets even girlier. <laughs> I do realize that I sound like a retard. This sounds like one of those early morning shows on Nickelodeon. Totally. Right before Dora the Explorer from Blue's Clues. <laughs> Come on, it's immediately catchy. You can't deny that hook. Where would we be without Abba to steal from? And Tim's gone. Oh, there he goes. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, who was here a second Thank ago. Thank you for being the linchpin today. <laughs> oh, my head. Tim was so encouraging, though. Don't look back. Move forward. <laughs> Even with his wonky eye, he plays through the pain. <laughs> I love the word wonky. <laughs> My eye's gone all wonky. I can't laugh for it. It makes me cough. <laughs> Just listen to the soothing sounds of love, Sarah. Who is this? Is Tingalingaling? The, the band is love. The song is Tingalingaling. You'll know right. Where would you even get this? 
Like, what happened? <laughs> Where did this come from? You mean me personally, or yeah. why does it exist? No, no, well, that, but more so, why does this exist on your on your MP3 player? I think the answer is obvious, Sarah, because it's genius. All right. Back after this with your phone calls, like us at three. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. The Tim's already gone. You're going to go home and collapse, probably. Um, yeah, I'm, I've got to get my nails did. <laughs> okay. So be in there. Uh, With all the nailed sanding stuff, like, blowing in my face, it's going to be great. I, uh, yeah, Joni and I are meeting and working on some stuff for the listener party, so I get to inhale cigarette smoke at the night for three hours, so that'll be fun. I'm lucky, sure that'll, lucky. that'll help. Tomorrow we're all back at 100%. Yeah. Um... All right, should we do a random calls here to the end of the show? Uh-huh. Can we okay. play the Dexter music one? Uh, yes, we will now take uh, random phone calls uh, to the end of the program. we got, like, what, four or five minutes? Five and a half, something yeah, like, like that? Yeah, like five minutes. All right, let me see if I can... Five minutes. Five minutes. Uh, <laughs> let me see if I can get... Where the hell did my, uh, where the hell my Dexter go? All right, here we go. All right. We will now take uh, random phone calls to the end of the program. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello? Hi. Hello. Yes. Hey, had a question for you. Yeah. When uh, do you feel the to listen to those songs on your iPod there? Um, are you asking seriously? <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I got an iPod, and I think, well, I want to hear this today or that, and I'm just curious what kind of a mood you have to be in to hear those songs. Uh, well, question, either, either gay or I would say a tremendous amount of cocaine or quite possibly both. So yeah, I really yeah. don't know why I have some of those. I like the... Uh, like that Lemon Piper's Rice is Nice song. I have no idea why I own that. That's kind of what I was wondering. I mean, it's not like it's a mystery. Like, I'm not claiming like it just showed up there one day. Clearly, <laughs> I did download it and I have it. And I, sure. I just don't remember why. Right. I, I figured it was with the intent on listening to it yeah. once in a while. But... Some of it I'm unashamed, though. Like uh, that Ting-a-ling-a-ling song by uh, Love. I, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm unashamed in my in my uh, adoration of that song. That but, was interesting. Right. On. One more quick thing. I yeah. think maybe all your guys' uh, watery eyes or the wonky eyes over there has something to do with uh, Richie's fruit and the combination of Lysol mixed together. It is it is true that we come into the studio and whatever it is that seems to be ailing us gets worse when we walk into here. <laughs> all right. Thank right. you, sir. Thank all you. Right. Bye. Hi, here on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yes, sir. I was wondering if uh, on your lovely selection of music on your iPod. Are you, you being have, sarcastic? Uh, um, no. Uh-huh. Yeah, Lightning Seeds, pure and simple. It's got to be on there. Lightning Seeds. Look at you with the uh, with the early 90s alt reference. Is that yeah, early 90s beautiful. or late 80s? I'd say late 80s, 89 or so. Lightning Seeds. I'm totally going to play. Sarah, do you know the Lightning Seeds? I don't think so. I'm going to play that song tomorrow. I haven't thought of that song since probably 1991. <laughs> Lightning Seeds, somewhere Chris Paddock is What's not. What's the name of the, of the song? Pure. All right, I'll play it tomorrow. It's a one-man band. He was sort of a... Uh, I don't know, kind of a synthy, uh, kind of a synthy sort of effeminate Trent Reznor. Not Rick, Rick Emerson or nothing. All right, thank you. Hi, <laughs> there you go. He called you an effeminate Trent Reznor. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Uh, just a couple things. Uh, so when I go home and get on the iTunes to find the ting a ling a ling, does that have hyphens or not? <laughs> no, it's all one word. It's all one word. Okay. Uh, Number two, I was sort of expecting to hear maybe Teenage Fan Club on that list. I Teenage Fan Club? I wouldn't say that Teenage Fan Club is girly. Uh, all right. Well, that's you, not me, sir. Okay. Uh, number three, uh, just a suggestion for a top five list. Top five songs that uh, you would eradicate from the American conscious. Okay. No. Do, top five songs I would eradicate. See, I feel like either Sarah or Tim ought to do some version of the top five we just did, but I, I don't know that... 
either Tim or Sarah would have the bad music that I have. Like, I suspect that most of Sarah's music is music she really I have know, a ton. Likes. I can go through my old CD books, because like, I have a ton. I have hundreds of CDs. I can find my most embarrassed, like, my top five most Yeah, it wouldn't be girliest, but maybe the top five most embarrassing songs you know, the you ones own. I'm full of shame about yeah. still You could also make Jimmy Ryan do it, just sort of emasculate him a little further. I like the way you think, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right, there you go. I'm going to play Teenage Fan Club tomorrow, too, just for that guy. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. It's yeah, you. Uh, yes. Last week, I caught... Uh, Part of the top five songs that you love to hate. Uh huh. Got up to Footloose. What happened after that? Um. Oh no. Well, it was like Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> Sorry to disappoint. I remember <laughs> nothing. It's, it's on the podcast, though. Go find the podcast. Yeah. He's not going to do that. All right. He's angry. How long do we have? 90 seconds? Yep. I, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Can you handle the pressure? What? Okay, that was good. Uh, we're doing random phone calls to the end of the program. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, Rick. I was just wondering if uh, you could tell me what a CAT scan is used for. Are you being <laughs> Are you being sarcastic? Uh, yeah. Is this because we thought a PET scan was for pets? Absolutely. All right, smart guy. What is a PET scan, pet scan for? Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, see, there you go. Thanks. <laughs> All right, there you go. What is a pet scan for? Did we ever figure that out? I don't really know. Somebody sent me the actual full name, which was like, I don't remember what it was called. Uh, let's see here. Hold on. Somebody sent me the full name. Uh, antimatter. See, there was just nothing but discussions of antimatter. Wait, hold on. Somebody, somebody sent me the, the full name of what the pet scan was, and I was never even. Uh, let's see. No, I've got nothing. Trying to sort through all of my... i got to find a better way to file away my emails uh, during the show. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Probably the last call of the day. Hello. Sarah, I don't think your chest is stuffy. It's out there. It's, it's out there for everyone. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, we're gonna Sometimes call... I don't like people. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to call it a day. Uh, how long until the Thanks, uh, music begins here? I don't know. Like six seconds. <laughs> okay, I'll just sit here. Okay. We want to thank CNN Radio Correspondents Jim Roop uh, and Lisa Desjardins. Uh, join us tomorrow, and our guests will include Joan Embry from the San Diego Zoo. Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970, Solid State Radio, who loves every one of you. Uh, on the phones, Richard Bristol in the newsroom, Tim Ryland, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn, the webmistress, it's Bridget from upstairs, <laughs> CBS Radio Portland Director of Engineering, Brian Jones, and CBS Radio Portland Marketing Guru, Susan, don't F with me, Reynolds. Uh, like us next, Donna, my at 7. Back for the recap hour tomorrow at 10 and uh, the show tomorrow at 11 a.m. Uh, until then, thank you for listening. Be safe. Don't let the bastards grind you down. Watch out for snakes. Bye now.